What do you want me to do? You just want me to hit you. Come on. Give me just one favor. Why? Why? I don't know why. I don't know. Never been in a fight. You? No, but that, that's a good thing. No, it is not. How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? I don't want to die without any scars. So come on. Hit me before I lose my nerve. God. This is crazy. You I, should I, go crazy. Let her rip. Hey, I don't know about this. I don't either, but who gives a shit? No one's watching. What do you care? Wait, what? This is crazy. You want me to hit you? That's right. What? Like in the <laughs> face? <laughs> Surprise me. This is so fucking stupid. can do <laughs> how amazing how amazing was that intro graphic paul that was spectacular i mean <laughs> like look out star wars uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and we got travis back oh. travis is back. Hey! Hey. This is Cinema Night Podcast. Welcome in. I'm Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Brancham, as always. And today's special guest, as we're going to focus in on Fight Club, that'll be our main event, what we dive into deeply, is brought to us by our old pal, who has technically been on the show because we uploaded a special episode when we did the Feast episode last October. It's the one and only, the man himself who actually is in the biz, our old pal <laughs> from back in the day, Paul B. Freeland. Hey, Paul, welcome in. Yeah! Times. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was very excited. Uh, I had a blast in October, and many more to come. Yeah, Hopefully. well, there could be uh, could be some more blasts on this show, <laughs> depending on who steps away. But uh... <laughs> that's a shit joke for those of you who don't know that. Hey, I'm, I'm puking too. We don't need to tell everyone everything, but if we're going to tell them, let's tell them everything out there. <laughs> Tonight, all new pukers. Uh, Paul B. Freeling, you know, you've loved film for a long time. You do have some experience. You actually have credits on some films. Uh, where did the passion come from? Do you remember where the movie Passion started? Uh, I Well, the, for the making of it, definitely Five Minute Classics. Mm, of course, at, uh, absolutely. Jim Tackett's wow. house, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I always kind of think back on that. Like, that was kind of the moment I realized, like, I think it was me, my, myself, Eric Lascow, and um, Chad Gibbons. We were trying to do a five-minute classic, 
nobody was nobody wanted to hold the camera so i took it and i'm like and i just kind of realized like hey it would be funnier this this um whatever gag we were doing it'd be funnier if we cut to this or did a close-up or a wide shot whatever and i was just like i think i instinctually understand what i need to do to make this 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 whatever we're doing better uh, yeah, it was seriously at that moment. I'm picturing that I realized, like, like I think I might have an. I'm picturing activist. like the Fablemans, <laughs> this beautiful story about Spielberg getting his inspiration. Then you yep. at Jimmy's house <laughs> shooting a wrestling buddy on the toilet, Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy on the toilet, <laughs> and being inspired to become a filmmaker. <laughs> that was honestly the moment. I'm not even kidding. I, I honestly tell that to my mom too. I'm like, you're not even gonna believe it. Remember those stupid five minute classics? <laughs> That's awesome. Those were fun. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah they, they were. were. For those of you that don't know, uh, when we were in high school in younger days, us and our group of friends, I didn't really participate, but I've watched plenty of them. Five-minute classics were just quick videos that these guys would make over at our friend Jimmy T's house, and that's where it all started. They were usually always hilarious. Uh, so many yeah. funny moments. Uh, squat. I think of a lot of things that come to mind. So, But I was a fan of film before that, you know, uh, no, you know, my, my love of film was was far before that. But yes, that was the moment of like, I think I could do this. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, that was that moment. You don't have a moment. First time you went to a movie theater and you're like, wow, this is awesome. I want to do this. Well, you know, I, I had that like childhood, uh, you know, like I I didn't really think about how movies are made until later on, you know, huh. in my teens. So it was just kind of a, you know, Hollywood and the whole concept of movie making was like so out of reach you know, in, in Michigan for a, you know, a 10 year old. So uh, I didn't even think about filmmaking until a little bit later. Uh, especially when we started doing the five minute classics, I was like, Oh, I, I get it. I get it. You know, on some level. So yeah. It's beautiful, Paul. Thank you for sharing your past with (laughs) us. I mean, that is what it's all about. We love movies here at cinema nine. Travis, you love movies, right? Oh, a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've watched movies with all of you guys (laughs) before. That's a fact. That's a straight fact. That's true. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times. Yeah. We've all watched movies together. Now true. we're in separate parts of the country. Yeah. All four of us are true. in different homes right now. It's fun. But that's what Cinema 9 provides, a varied approach to film. Eric, in Griffith, Indiana, they love movies, don't they? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, real quick, I just want to say how happy I am to be here with you guys. Uh, this is a legendary posse. I mean... Um, I love having the guests on because it's really a, a opportunity for us to, to reconnect. Like we say a lot, but like one thing this podcast does uh, for us that I really appreciate is just reconnecting with uh, old friends. And, you know, it might not just be that. It's not always easy for me, especially as a introvert with enormous anxiety issues to just pick up a phone and talk to my old friends. But so seeing uh, Paul and of course you guys just makes me very happy. It still makes me anxious, yeah. very anxious. Why, why call a friend when you can go on a live show and that's put it out my, for That's kind of what I'm getting at. Across the world. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm with you. I've been telling my our friend uh, Steve this. Steve has been popping on as a guest on Is It Safe, mm-hmm. the show I do with Lou Korobeck, friend of the show, and who also just had a baby. Congratulations, Lou, to your child. Yes, your Luke. child is in the world. Welcome to the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a... It's a girl, too, so it's nice to see the Horlbeck line switched up a bit. So many dudes in the Horlbeck line. Nice to get some I female blood. You have two. Wow. Yeah. Two, two Lukes. Two, two girls. Two, he's oh. got two Lukes. Two, two Luke, Luke miniatures two in his Luke house. <laughs> but uh, Steve was I saying, like, boy, I'd be, 
it'd be really nice if we could uh like talk on the phone it seems like the only socializing we do is when i come on the show we'll and i was like yeah you're right I, i'm sorry i feel bad about that and i really should call you but <laughs> this is really our time to socialize and do the show so. pretty much pretty much yeah i don't yeah. I don't feel great about it, but hey, life is challenging for some, and I'm doing the best I can. Uh, we'd love to dive into, we're going to get to our main event, which is Fight Club. Paul selected Fight Club from 1999. We're going to dive into all the nitty-gritty with it. Does it hold up or not? A little bit later in the show. We'd like to start off with a little bit of a movie tidbit minute, and this has been a fun thing we've been trying. To, what's going on in the movie world? What's the, the haps on the craps when it comes to entertainment in general? Not just film, television's in play. Travis, you got anything you'd like to share with us this week? Um, not particularly. Um, Harvey Perfect. Weinstein got uh, sentenced to another 16 years in prison today. So not, not long enough. Yeah, that's, but yeah, well, good. that's long on enough. top of the 23 year sentence. That yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Uh, he'll almost he'll die. Yeah, he'll almost certainly die. <laughs> yeah, he'll prison, die. So. <laughs> well, everybody dies, right, Mike? But uh, hey. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so good news. Yeah, good news. That Excellent good news. news. That's a man's behind bars. Hey, uh, Eric. <laughs> Eric, did you copy the same one? <laughs> no, I did want to resurrect one I had, uh, but I kind of forgot about. The Razzies. The Razzies are under fire. You hear the story? Razzies under fire oh, yeah. for uh, nominating a 11-year-old girl <laughs> for Firestarter. Oh, Firestarter. This girl, yeah. Ryan Kira Armstrong, is 11, does her best, gets hired on, probably because her parents forced her into business, and then she gets nominated for a Razzie. <laughs> wow. Well, but they've re they've retracted the nomination. They retracted. And they've it. also changed. Like, how does that? I'm and sure there's a board. I mean, by force. There's got to be like many I haven't people seen... that are running this thing. Like, who, no one is Has like. Has anybody this seen the idea? film? No, I heard it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, they retracted it because of the backlash. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, but they went through. <laughs> I mean, we we trash a lot of kid actors on this show. But we have said right, we, we have said a couple of times like we'll prefix it by saying you know we understand like they're kids and stuff but like this is inexcusable I mean they should have never even made the the, the nomination in the first place Are you fucking kidding me right here? Yeah, yeah maybe it's a, a death knell for Razzies. It seems like it's just um, too you know I don't know it's too fucking smarmy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, obviously the kid wanted to do well. You know, and she's how old? Eleven. Eleven. 11. Yeah. I mean, she has a, you know, a lot to learn. So yeah, I, it was a little bit of a love. Honey, you're up for an award. Really dad? Yeah. Golden <laughs> ra ra raspberry. Oh, you like raspberries. Ooh, I did oh. think it was never said publicly or out loud, but I thought there was an unspoken agreement that the Razzies wouldn't go after children. And even someone like me who will always rip a kid actor. I can't stand kids in movies. But that's just too far. Yeah. Come on now. I, I I don't like it at all. I don't want the Razzies to go away, though. I do like that they exist because there's so few things that, I don't Hold know, on. they go against. You, you can't stand kids in movies. <laughs> I don't know that any of us can on this podcast. Yeah. Well, like, if it's like a kid's, if it's a never-ending story, I love the never-ending story. But... Okay. All right. Because that's what okay, I was going to say. I was going to never-ending story, the Goonies. Come on. For every Atreus, there's like a Classic. thousand really shitty kid actors. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should clarify I, by saying that it. I don't like when a kid gets kind of forced into a film when I'm trying to watch maybe adult fair or something more dramatic, I guess. that I right. try to think of a great example. What's a good example, guys, that we've done on this show where it's like, oh, man, why is that kid going to be there? Oh, God. Oh, oh God. that's a good that's one. The ultimate. 
Dakota Fanning, yeah. worst performance of all time. Dakota Fanning, Razzie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the first one where I went, oh, Ugh. please take her off screen. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, just can't, uh, I can't take it seriously. You nailed it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, to clarify, there was actually a good example recently where I was starting to watch a film and I got freaked out that the kid was going to be more. But Michael Con- or Michael Clayton. We ended up, the kid was pretty good. Oh, Late yes. Scenes. Perfect. Thank yeah, you. In The Witch, mm-hmm. uh, we had good things to say about the young I boy gave that, that kid full credit mm-hmm. in The Witch. That mm-hmm. kid was incredible. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it's hit or miss, I guess. I'll just say that, Paul. Yeah, but yeah, it is. It is hit or miss. You're in California. You live out in that world. Uh, yeah. Do you have any movie news that uh, you're excited about? Any movies that are coming out this year? Any entertainment in general? A TV show? Uh, some rumors? We'd like to play around. We'll, we can go any direction you want. Anything fun you'd like to share? Uh, in terms of sharing like something new, honestly, I, I haven't really, uh, I've been so intertwined with my own stupid shit going on, um, <laughs> that, uh, nothing upcoming that I'm super excited about right now. Oh, you, David Fincher's, uh, the killer. What is it? The killer. Yeah. yeah looking forward to that. Uh, um, oddly enough, we're talking about his, his, you know, fight club today, but, um, oh. yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and I, the Flash. I'm not, you know, I'm a huge yeah, yeah. Batman. How are you, you feeling, know, Paul? Michael Keaton fan. I'm not feeling excited about it, and I want to be. Uh, it just looks silly. Mm-hmm. I think you said it last week. It looks just goofy, like, silly. The, the the CG Batman flying around, mm-hmm. like I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold yet. So yeah. obviously, I'm going to see it, but um, I'm not excited to see it as much as I sh- as, as much as I thought I would be. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I understand that. Sometimes, you know, not everything could be the cocaine bear, you know, I'd get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I do. I I do want to see that, actually. (laughs) I want to see that. I am excited about the Flash movie. I'm going to go see it. I admit it. It's gotten me amped up a bit, but I am concerned a little bit. But at the same time, that's life. You know, you got high hopes and sometimes you're worried it's not going to work out. So that's just what happens. I'm going to go on top of that. See what happens. On top of that, I'm not a huge Ezra Miller fan. I don't think I don't think he's a great actor. (laughs) Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I just, F- forget the bullshit. It's just his acting period. No, no, just, yeah. Forget the bullshit. I don't care about his life. <laughs> Whatever he is. I don't great. care about don't his care. life. <laughs> I just have never thought he was a good actor. I mean, the moment that the first moment I ever saw him was uh, Amy Schumer movie. My my wife loves that movie. Trainwreck? Trainwreck. Trainwreck. Yeah. I thought he was terrible. Oh. He wasn't funny. He was. I, I remember thinking how awkwardly he delivers his lines. And then every time I see him, you know, obviously maybe I'm a little biased at this point, but like every time I see him, I'm just like, I'm not buying your character. I'm sorry. I just, wow. I, I, I don't really like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, Ezra. Yeah. Uh, He's watching right now. They, <laughs> they, they, they watching right now and they, they are very upset. Man. I will say you, you, you maybe should watch. They, uh, they need to talk about Kevin. Is that what it's called? They need to, talk we about need Kevin? to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin as a oh, solid. Yeah. Okay. I remember that movie and He's good in it. They're good in it. I mean, they're they're fantastic. I'll I'll give it a try. Okay. Well, who cares? I'm not here to sell you on Ezra Miller. I will tell you, though, (laughs) forget movie news. Me and Travis knocked out a great episode of this show without Eric on the MCU Phase 4. Fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to do. I'm glad we finally got that episode done. Travis, you went from 18 to 1. We followed your list. You ranked them from the worst or like the least enjoyable project to the most enjoyable project of all of phase four. I thought it turned out pretty well. 
I was really happy with it, mm -hmm. except for the part where I referred to Arishem the Celestial as a sentinel. <laughs> I, I have not forgiven myself. I heard I'm that. not forgiven myself. <laughs> oh, man. I was so like, shit, the Sentinels are back. Why team. didn't I see the Eternals? Standing, driving to work. I'm like, I know what the fucking Sentinels are. I know what the fucking Celestial. Oh, we're going to think I'm a fool. No, yeah. I, I love it. In there. I love, I mean, you know how I feel, but like, you guys had something interesting to say about every single one like you didn't blow any project off but you didn't like rush through any of them like you got i got the most i got the most insight out of all of them it was awesome i loved it thanks man oh, kind of made yeah, me want to jump in <laughs> that's <laughs> okay that's saying. all right settle down now settle down all right uh phase four marvel real quick paul have you enjoyed phase four or? uh yeah yeah for the most part i haven't seen uh the ant-man is it that's out right have you guys yeah. talked about that Quantum okay, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, well, that's technically phase five, right? Oh, that's phase five. I'm I think, sorry. Right, Travis? Um, yep. I'm a little out of the loop at this point with Marvel, but uh, I do enjoy the Marvel phases. Um, so I will definitely check out that episode. How overworked <laughs> are those VFX artists over there at uh, Marvel? Well, well that, that's, that, yeah, I do come from, uh, you know, that side of the spectrum mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, yeah, we, we're definitely overworked. Luckily, I'm getting out of that. Um, the artist's chair, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, th there is a big uproar right now, about, especially Marvel. Um, I, I mean, you know, we could go on and on about that. But yeah, th there is a there is an issue there. Well, they are going to reduce the load, which we talked about in the Phase 4 episode. Yeah. Especially Bob Iger came back to take over Disney, and part of the whole deal is to return control to creative executives, but at the same time, slow down the process. Mm -hmm. So there will be a reduction, right? That sounds familiar to you. You probably heard that, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> never trust. Either. I mean, we're we're talking about twenty five hundred shots of just pure VFX per film. Wow, you, know, yeah. you throw that onto a, a yeah. you know at five studios, they, and they also have a tendency to sort of bid studios against each other. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to get that best flat rate. And then they just take advantage, yeah. You know, which is ultimately what happened to, uh, you know, with the uh, um, um, brain movie? farting right now. That one movie. Uh, years, huh? That movie. The, the that one thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's important uh, replacing importance. Like from what I understand, after reading a the couple Ang of things, the film from years ago. Crouch, oh, the Hulk. Oh, Hulk. Oh, Love Hulk. No, no, no. Crouching Hulk, Tiger. Hulk. What is he? Life of Pi. Oh, Life of Pi. Life of Pi, Life of Pi, yeah. That oh, was it. is that a Marvel yeah, that, movie? That was, yeah, that that really that really shook the industry up. Uh, really, ten years. Billy ago, Lynn's long so halftime walk is that the one? Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, anyway, movie. Just saying, I can go on and on about that. Well, Paul, we appreciate your insight. That was uh, you really opened up the doors there. Now I feel like I know a lot more than I did before the show started. Those of you who don't know, Paul knows a thing or two about movies. He works out there in California and has a good time doing it. He's got two lovely daughters, a lovely wife, and a lovely home. Things are looking up for Paul this year, and we hope <laughs> that you'll feel the same about our quarantine viewing picks. As we turn it over to Travis, what do you got in store for us today, my friend? Ah, uh, well, I've watched so much. I mean, I'm sick now. Oh. I had COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had yeah. a snow day. Yep. There were two weekends because we skipped the thing. So I watched a whole bunch of shit, uh, but I'll, I'll pare it down a little bit. Um, I had mentioned on the show that I'd never seen Fences mm. uh, when we did Manchester ah. by the Sea. I'm here to tell you that Denzel Washington definitely deserved oh, the Academy absolutely. Award. Absolutely. 
Uh, he was incredible in it. Uh, perhaps the performance of his career, which is saying a whole hell of a lot. I mean, he was amazing in it. Amazing. Um, loved it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd never seen the, like, speaking of special effects and Marvel and, like, screwing people, I'd never seen the 1994 Roger Corman <laughs> production of Fantastic Four before. <gasps> So I was like, well, right, let's 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 watch it. But before I watched it, I'm like, let's watch the documentary about it first. So I watched the documentary about it, and I'm glad I did because then I was like, oh man, I was like ready to have like a goofy time and kind of laugh at it. And now I just feel bad for all these people that were doing the best they could on like a million dollar budget. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that was totally interesting to 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 watch that. Where did you finally. watch it, Travis? The film. Um, the film is on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> It was. It was. That says leaked. it all. Yeah, it was leaked several years ago. Is it's it, no longer. Is it like a feature length film? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, and it, it has the quality of a 1990s Sci-Fi Channel movie. <laughs> I mean, it is something else. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't seen the film, but I have seen that documentary you're watching. It was interesting. Was it better than it Fantastic Four with Miles Teller? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Saying yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's not. It's not saying a lot. Um, I'm a big Mark Maron fan. Uh, he's finally released his new special on HBO from Bleak to Dark. If you like his work, you should definitely check that out. Very, very solid. Um, Mike, have you checked out the new Reese Witherspoon office offering, uh, Your Place or Mine, the, the <laughs> romantic comedy with Ashton Kutcher? I need I to do that. I have not. I don't know that I'd recommend it. <laughs> I don't know that I'd recommend oh. it. I can tell you that a, a two-hour romantic comedy that has the, the 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 stars sharing the screen for like three divided minutes, literally, I'm not even exaggerating. They share the screen together for like three minutes broken up throughout the whole movie, maybe five minutes. That's it. So kind of like there's complaints of chemistry. Well, there's no chemistry when they're not mm. in the same fucking room. Um, <laughs> I don't even know so how this sweet thing home Alabama, huh? Yeah, I don't know how this thing got greenlit. Like, who, yeah. who decided? Let's make a let's make a romantic comedy without any romance or comedy. Uh, um, she does so. have her own company now. She her, like her production company. I don't know if it's behind it or not, but it's there. She has a lot of power. She's trying to wield. So Hit I'll have run to verify production? if she's behind it. I'm all for know. it, but this this ain't it. This ain't okay. it. Okay. Um, I've I've been a fan of the filmmakers, uh, the the directing duo uh, Benson and Moorhead. They mm -hmm. did. Uh, the endless <laughs> is that brain. real yeah it sounds like like a cigarette company but that's that's the benson name. and hedges yeah <laughs> um they, so i checked out synchronic from 2019 a kind of a like a mind fuck uh time travel movie with anthony mackie and uh jamie dornan which was totally worth checking out and then i followed that up with their their covid picture that starred themselves and they shot it in their like bedrooms in their in their apartments it's called uh something in the dirt and mm -hmm. it's kind of like weird I mean, it's not exactly a comedy but it's certainly satirical it's like what if something genuinely unexplainable happened to two dudes who were fucking idiot conspiracy theorists um <laughs> it, it was, so that's fun it was definitely fun uh weird and kind of a few a few places like wore out its welcome <laughs> Uh, I checked out me and myself and Irene, which I guess we're not oh, talking about. <laughs> did you now? For the first time? No, no. Uh, <clears throat> that, that was supposed to be last week's episode. I'm not sure oh, what's going oh, on with that. Mike stepped away for the moment, so we'll address that later, I guess. <laughs> me, myself, and Irene. Um, me, myself, and Irene. We watched it. I checked out Quantumania, which I talked about mm -hmm. on the uh, on the uh, Marvel show that we did and loved it. Uh, I have been bashing with regularity Toy Story 4 along with you, <gasps> Eric. 
So I thought, well, I've only watched it once. I better sit down and see how I really feel about it. And I watched it again, and my God, the animation's just incredible. Beautiful. Dude. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, it's spectacular. It starts mm-hmm. off with, I mean, it's just unpressed. I mean, it's unparalleled. Mm-hmm. It's some of the best animation I've ever seen. Beautiful. And I still don't like it. It's still my least favorite of the four. Um, but I, I do feel a little less like what they did with Woody's character was a betrayal. Um, it felt a, this time watching it, it reminded me a little, I actually kind of, kind of thought a little bit of Steve Rogers in the MCU and how some people felt like that was a betrayal, but I did not. I was okay with him doing something for himself. So I'm trying to be a little more open-minded about Toy Story 4, I guess is what I'm saying. Hmm. That's uh, good. You should in, do that. I am. It's healthy. I checked in with, uh, I continued my completion, my attempt to complete, the uh, filmography of Nicolas Cage by watching G-Force. The uh, sole directorial... Yeah, I see that. Very nice ball. The sole directorial effort from uh, Hoyt Yateman, visual effects legend. Um, this movie stars a bunch of guinea pigs in like real life. I thought it was an animated movie, but it's not. It's like a bunch of talking guinea pigs. And leave it to Nick Cage to be in a guinea pig movie and voice a mole instead of a guinea pig. <laughs> Um, I checked out Babylon, which Did has gotten you? a lot of talk. Yep, it's currently oh. streaming on Paramount Plus. I want to see it. Oh, what you do? Everyone should see it. It's it's yeah. good. It's good. It's Ooh. not great. It's not great. <laughs> the complaints are valid, I think, but also uh, it's a good movie. Eight hours um, long. I will say it's three hours long. And dude, ten minutes in, literally, I paused it and went, "I'm fucking exhausted." How far are we into oh, this? Ten minutes <laughs> before the title card. And I thought about turning it off. <laughs> oh, shit. Really glad I didn't. It was really good. It's got really great performances from actors I love and really great performances from actors that are new to me. Um, overly indulgent. This is mm-hmm. why not every director needs to have final edit. It's not a, the worst idea in the world <gasps> to have someone come in there and be like, eh, about 40 minutes of this doesn't really belong. Um, so uh, <laughs> wow. definitely worth checking out. But uh, another example to me of the fact that like filmmakers are more and more, to my, in my opinion, just becoming unchecked and bloated and <gasps> they need to be reined in here and there and be like, you- yeah, yeah, you're, you're really good at it, but let's, let's like have a cohesive plot. Um, <laughs> it was good. It was good. Damn. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with the movie that blew me away. This, this week or this last couple of weeks um, besides Quantumania of course I actually had forgotten that it was nominated for um, a best documentary feature I just kind of stumbled across it on HBO Max and watched All That Breathes um, I'm not usually a huge fan of movies that are shot on digital but mm-hmm. every now and then it can be done with the right camera and the right director where it is I mean, it's gorgeous. This movie's fucking gorgeous. And on one hand, it's about dude, like these three dudes in Delhi who are trying to save black kites, like the the bird, the species of bird. Um, but really, what it's about is the way that animals, like in urban environments, are forced to conform to humanity. And um, it's just, I mean, like you're looking at rats and bugs and all this shit and it's like amazing it's 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 shot so beautifully and you're watching like these animals not not just rats and bugs there's other stuff that's like cute don't worry there's some cute animals too uh-huh. some birds. But, i mean if you are an animal lover at all i strongly recommend all that breathes and not just for like the inspiring story of these three guys who devote their life to saving animals but just it's it's really profound it's really poetic um, the way it addresses the, the way that humans just smear ourselves all over the planet and every other species be damned. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, 
I was blown away. Hey, get some consciousness, then take over. What can I tell you? We got the intellect. Sorry. They are conscious. They're not asleep. I just put that on my cue. This sounds fucking great. Mm. Love HBO Max. We're the powerful species. We've earned our right here. It's our time. It's our time. (laughs) It's our time now. I'm taking it all out before I go. (laughs) Oh, that's uh, that sounds like fun. Is that all, my friend? Um, I, I left a few out. But yeah, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, Eric Branch of Griffith, Indiana. What you've been uh, staring at, dude? I fucking watch Jack, starring Robin Williams, <laughs> directed by the legendary Francis Ford Coppola. Last night. Yep. Oh man. <sighs> I mean, what am I supposed to say here? I mean, I sat through it. It is a movie. It has uh, Diane Lane in it and uh, Jennifer Lopez. I mean, Jennifer Lopez, like. <laughs> Forgot. It wasn't completely incompetent. Like I, I could sit through it and enjoy some of it, but I mean, at one point we had Robin Williams literally farting into a coffee can, and I had to say out loud to myself from the director of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> so I mean, it's just it's out of control. But you know, I've I've seen worse. I've seen worse. Um, I turned on Runaway Jury again after oh. Hoosiers. I saw Gene Hackman. And I'm like, hit play immediately. It's so bad. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And this is coming from a John Grisham fan. I'll watch any movie that is a courtroom drama. Any movie. I'll turn it on and I'll enjoy it. But not this one. It's so oh, horrible. I almost like, pressed play on that this week. Don't so. do it. Don't do it, man. You're going to be tempted with this cast. John Cusack, yeah. Jeremy Piven, like Rachel Weiss, Dustin Hoffman. Wow. No one can save it. Like It's the type of movie, like two minutes in, you're thinking to yourself like, what were these actors thinking like at their premiere? They all had to be like, oh, fuck, all that work. And this is this is bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you can tell like early on, like the director has no control over anything. And oh. I normally like Gary Fletter. I love Kiss the Girls, but it's so horrible. Worst John Grisham movie ever. Uh, at close range. It popped up on Amazon Prime and it's been like 20 years since I saw it. I hit play spellbinding it's so fucking good i'm sitting here watching christopher walken give one of the greatest performances i've ever seen in a movie and oh i'm my getting God. pissed remember i was talking about dennis hopper and i was getting pissed off thinking about fucking uh koopa troopa and all this bullshit he's been doing i'm watching chris walken and my mind is blown at how just fine an actor he is i'm thinking about the country bears and switch and all this stupid shit like i want more like i i kind of deserve more when you're this good <laughs> When you're this good, you should. I think I it's mean, over, you can't dude. Just I mean, he's, yourself. Yeah, the party's he, over. He's an old man. Eric, Eric deserves more from Chris. Oh, yeah. Chris, <laughs> you what you're doing and come entertain Eric. Wasn't he in a Prime, Wasn't he in an Amazon Prime series uh, last year? I didn't see uh, it. No, it's an it Apple sounds, Plus series. Yeah, uh, several. Oh, okay. it's an excellent. Uh, he's. I excellent. heard he's good in it also, too. Don't come after Switch on my watch. Okay, <laughs> I'm coming. You bring it to the show about Freddie's bad finger situation. <laughs> it's so fucking good uh the fun house toby hooper i've been hearing about this horror movie forever and i finally got a chance to watch it from 1981 uh, a bunch of kids get trapped in a fun house overnight Ooh. and like weird shit happens and stuff it's not good it's not good <laughs> don't rush <laughs> don't rush we got elizabeth barrage who's like this who remember the succulent constance mozart from uh, amadeus she's in it beautiful but the movie just cannot it has no directions, no control. It's just all over the place. It's not good. Um, the whale. 
The whale. I oh, watched the whale. It. I spent twenty dollars on the $20. whale. Twenty dollars. Yeah, I rented it for twenty dollars. And I watched <laughs> it. I'm a Darren Aronofsky. You 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 pay that twenty dollars and you watch it in its entirety. <sighs> uh, oh boy, it's kind of bad. I mean, it's kind of bad. And this is coming from a big mother exclamation point fan. Wow. I just, I mean. It's it's like the kind of movie that should have came out in like 2002. Like it's very it seems very like dated. Like all the stuff is trying to throw at me is seems just very like 2002 like the hours and all that stuff. It just seems like um this seems derivative at this point. Did huh. you see it, Paul? You're bigger enough. I did. Man. I did. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Did you uh, like it? No, I mean I didn't hate it. I yeah, I didn't out, hate it. I was just like, who, who out, cares? Like, all right, yeah, yeah. Who cares? I don't care. You know, Brendan Fraser was really good in it. He he pulled off a really great performance, but overall, the movie didn't do much for me. I yeah. walked out, meh. I was just, it, I, I, was I really, I hated the ending. Actually, I thought the ending was stupid. It was very Darren Aronofsky ending. It was what I was expecting out of it. Obvious. It was just. It, it, it was so obvious. It was cloyingly yeah. obvious. We got the pins right. off. Strange daughter. Yeah. What about Hong Chao? Was Hong Chao fun in it? He's fantastic. We got like the dead gay boyfriend. Like we got to feel bit. It's just like right, right, right. right. We've been here before. We've treaded this water so many times. Yeah. I just expected more from Aronofsky. He he seems like such an intelligent filmmaker that would just be able to cast some of these tropes aside and just do something new. Yeah. And Brendan Fraser's getting all this credit. He was he was great in the role, but like. He's great in every role. He's fully yeah, committed yeah. to even furry vengeance. Like he's coming right. to do every role. And here I'm just like you're in a fat suit and you just like can be dramatic. I mean, this is fine. You were great in school ties. You were great in Encino, man. Like right, right. I don't know, man. I was I I I turned off the TV just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. That fat suit was impressive, but yeah, the film itself. Yeah. <laughs> That's the highlight, folks. The fat suit. The fat suit the was fat suit. I believed it, man. I was like, wow. He's... I believed it, but part of me is kind of on board this crowd that's like, just hire a big actor. There's a lot of people that are really big that would love to act. Just pull the trigger and try it, for God's sakes. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, they My did highlight it for, of the uh, week. The Leo yeah, movie. You know, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? That Absolutely. woman was a, a real. Absolutely. Yeah, Doris Coates. Darlene yeah. Coates, fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, she died recently, didn't she? She did. I think she died much sooner. I actually like not too far after the film. I'll look it up. Oh, but, okay. Maybe that uh, maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah. I do I, I do know she died, but yeah. I know they don't go on this long, but like I've been out for a couple weeks. My highlight of the week was uh to Leslie. I also oh. rented this at a high price, uh, because I love Andrew Riseborough. So I hit play on to Leslie and I loved it. I thought it was fucking fantastic. And I was fucking pissed thinking back at this controversy, these stuck up, spoiled brat Academy members scoffing at this uh, announcement that she was up for best actress. It's one of the best performances I've seen in years. And people are pissed off just because they haven't heard of the movie. Fuck off, man. <laughs> Watch it. It's fantastic. She's so good at it. Mark Maron's fantastic. Love this story. Love this movie. See you too, Leslie. How dare you, sir? To, I look forward to watching it. Um, and I do think that this kind of manufactured controversy around it. Popularity is a, contest. A little bit ridiculous. On the other hand, of course, I mean, the complaints about important black women like, like Viola Davis and performances 
like Daniel Deadweiler's until. I mean, I, I, I do think that uh, it is kind of strange that neither one of these people got nominated. So I can understand going after Andrea Riseborough specifically, I think is fucked up. Um, but she didn't show up for the Oscars luncheon because she was like, well, fuck all you. You don't yeah. want me to be nominated, then fuck you. And I think Jesus. that sucks. I mean, to have that uh, such an important event for her tainted because she deserves the uh, recognition. Like, I haven't seen so the good. movie, but I've seen her performances. Uh, God, so I do yeah, think going great. after her specifically is weird. Um, mm -hmm. But I certainly respect and understand the other complaints. Personally. Yeah. Well, hey, that's life. Oscars. That's it, man. No one's going to feel bad for you. Yeah, Jack. Never forget <laughs> it. A legendary moment in time. By the way, Darlene Cates, Paul, she yep. did die in 2017. So I apologize. Okay. I was wrong. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it, I thought it was not too long ago, but that was the whale. Fuck, man. Her. That was rough. Character's name in What's Eating Gilbert Grape is literally Mama. Just for fun. So, hey, oh, did, where did you play Amazing. Mama? Yeah, that was me. I played Mama. All right. Uh, Amazing film. So, I had never seen this film before. This is one of the standards in the almighty lore of Hollywood for all wow. times. This movie is almost 60 years old, and I finally watched it. 1965's Who Heals All Alive? Oh. I've oh watched God. it. Oh I never saw I it. So much. I I love it. Did you cry when Christopher Plummer sang Edelweiss? <laughs> no. No. I do First off, time. he every fucking time. hated being on the movie. He didn't yeah, want to do did. that. And they oh, dubbed his ass. I read all this shit on him. <laughs> yeah, he hated shit. being on that film. Oh, he, and he they stupid. dubbed him. He was so good in it. I know. Weird. But just telling you the truth. Did you uh, like it? Yeah. You know, it was... It's when you watch a film that has so much, you know, baggage. Yeah, <laughs> baggage. Gravitas. Uh, I would yeah. say, you know, a film that has so much respect for decades, and especially in musical theater. And, you know, it's incredible all the songs they wrote. Now, maybe it's because I never saw the film, but I'm like, oh, I know that song, and I know that song, and I know that song, which is wild. They're very catchy songs. Full credit to Rodgers and Hammerstein. Very cool. Uh, not a bad watch in 2023, oddly enough. Wasn't that bad. It was pretty solid. It was it was decent. I enjoyed it. I did. I, I haven't seen that movie in 20 years. Uh, but that was that was a movie my mom watched over and over. Yeah. Over and over. Mary Poppins, too. She had a thing about uh I hate Mary Poppins. Yeah. Back to Julie back Andrews. years, Paul. Back Julie to back Andrews. years. Yeah. Julie Andrews did those movies back to back years. 64, 65. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, then she got pissed that she was being typecast as like a nanny slash uh, governess as she is in Sound of Music, and she showed her tit in Blake Edwards' movie in the eighties, just to say, "Hey, look, see, I can show my tit." Yeah, chiming in. I gotta say, they're nice. <laughs> She's a gorgeous woman. She's a beautiful, yeah, she talented. Beautiful. I, it's weird because I didn't see that movie until I was in my teens, and I was like, because I never looked at Julie Andrews as a sex symbol, and then I saw that movie, I'm like. Holy shit, she's hot. Yeah. yeah. I can't I remember. A spoon sugar. I can't remember which Blake Edwards movie that was, but uh, she's still alive, too, by the way. Julie Andrews still rocking yeah, yeah, yeah. in uh, 2023. So, Sound of Music, you never saw it. It's definitely worth a watch. Uh, I saw a 1985 movie I never saw, jumped ahead 20 years to the 80s, and it's a movie by Rob Reiner. I've seen almost every Rob Reiner movie ever, I thought, but I never saw The Sure Thing with John Cusack and. Daphne Zuniga. I've never and, seen it either. How was it? You know what? Uh, <laughs> it's the type of movie that probably wouldn't be made today. You know, because it's called The yeah. Sure Thing. Co-starring Anthony Edwards, too. Nice to see him. And it's not bad. It's 
I like the. It is. It's about a man who's desperate to fuck. That's true. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. That's not really a secret. So (laughs) there's also Tim Robbins checks in for a minute as like this really uptight guy. It's pretty, pretty different. It's a very low key film, super low key. There's not a lot going on. So you just have to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to settle in with these characters. But I I would say it's worth giving it a watch. I would. It's not your typical 80s movie either. It almost doesn't belong in the time period if it wasn't for the fact that he's a horny early college student who wants to bang. That's really the end of the 80s uh, feel to it. Until American Pie. I was just thinking, that's exactly what popped in my head when I said that. It's probably (laughs) not surprising. So check out The Sure Thing. Oh, and I, I did a double dip on 1985 from a movie that was a staple. I've never mentioned this on the show. This was a VHS staple in the 90s at my house in Heartland. It was in that wooden case that you opened up with all the VHS tapes, had two doors that swung open, full of tapes, and then more on the shelves. And the box always stood out over every other film. And this movie is Runaway Train, starring John Voight and Eric Roberts. And this movie, I didn't know if it would suck or not, because I was like, my mom loved it, and they bought a copy. DiBiase was a fan in the 90s. That doesn't really, you know, DiBiase didn't have the best taste in film, in my opinion. But (laughs) Runaway Train is fucking great. It's so good. It is a Akira Kurosawa script originally, didn't direct it, and then... uh, Andre Konchalvosky from Russia, a Russian director, picked it up and then does it with Voight and Eric Roberts and Rebecca Termornay jumps in. It is really good. I, I am a strong proponent of this film. I don't know where you can find it or where it's available, but Runaway Train from 1985. John Voight, if you've seen Anaconda and you thought John Voight was on one in Anaconda, monkey blood. Monkey blood. Yeah, forget it. This is the new, he goes so over the top for this movie. Sometimes it's genius, other times it's hilarious, and other times you're like, what the fuck? It is, it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. High action too. It's about a runaway train. It really is. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it. And then uh, uh, The War at Home, 1996 film directed by Emilio Estevez, you know, who's becomes, to me, he is, he's actually one of my favorite directors now. Everything Emilio Estevez directs, I really enjoy. He's got such a sense of social responsibility and like taking a look at what's going on in our country and people as a whole and analyzing it. And The War at Home is where he really, I feel like he took off and he stepped up. It stars his father, Martin, and Kathy Bates. And it's an excellent film. And again, it's about a Vietnam vet, comes home from the war, but it's not like the other ones. It's... It's really about like a family. It just really kind of focuses on the home. And it's very powerful, very intense. And uh, he acts just as good as he directs. So full kudos to Emilio Estevez. The War at Home is something you should definitely see if you've never seen it before. It's been and quite a few episodes since we've praised the public. We were Yeah, see? The public, <laughs> big public fans here. Love the public. I love Bobby. I mean, I oh, love the, the Way. The Way was one that's right there with all those movies. I just really like what he does with films. So check out that if you're interested. All right, Paul Freeling, you're here. You're our guest. You're a special little guy today. You know, this is your one <laughs> chance to share some movies with us. Say, what would you like to recommend? Some things you've watched recently or maybe just for all time, a movie that people need to see. Give us some. All right. Uh, well, uh, I made a quick list while you guys were doing your thing. I'm like, okay, you know, like Shit, movies that I never saw growing up that I should have. Monster Squad, 1987. Oh, okay. Didn't Love it. See All right. That until about a month and a half ago. Turned it on. I don't know how I missed Monster Squad. <laughs> I know I've seen, probably seen the, uh, the you know, the, the VHS copy and the, in the, 
the store for numerous times, but somehow I always over overlooked it. But yeah, I loved it. It was just fun. Wow. It made me feel like an eight-year-old kid again. That's so uh, gratifying. That's like that's literally one of the first movies I saw, and uh, I have so, so that's a special place for it. And for like someone who to be a grown man <laughs> and, and see it, and to be still be like, wow, that's great. I mean, that says yeah, volumes it, about that movie. It was it was spectacular. I I again, it just took me back. I felt like an eight year old kid awesome. from mm -hmm. 1988 again. It was it was awesome. That's awesome. Um, let's see, recent movies. Uh, I absolutely loathe the recent halloween movie halloween oh jeez don't say it was atrociously bad and and i'm working with the uh the man the myth the legend right now and the, i i don't even know how i can look at him in the eye right now you know <laughs> i know i know you he didn't direct to. it i know he didn't direct it but he did have something to do with it uh he, um, he didn't have much to do with that one did he carpenter well score well he he went on tour with it. Um, mm. He technically got a, some sort of producer's credit and mm. it's his name's on it. I yeah, mean, it's not, yeah. it's not John Carpenter's Halloween, but it is mm -hmm. created by, he had to get, he had to approve it. Let me put it that way. I was, uh, it was atrociously I mean, I bad. Perhaps the worst sold his rights away. Perhaps the worst franchise. franchise. I mean, it's, it's oh, bad. Hands yeah. down. Oh, I don't, I mean, I knew going in, it wasn't going to be good. Cause I, I really didn't care for the, the, uh, Halloween oh. kills oh. here, oh. but this was by far the worst one. Um, so I was actually kind of surprised by how bad it was. Yeah. Um, Fuck. Let's see. Magic. We got tri Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. I mentioned this okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mentioned this Eric last week. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, this movie blew me away. Uh, I can see the shit. You know, Ruben Oslin <laughs> is just. I mean, there's a lot to be said about the film, you know, yeah. you know, uh, it's a satire, but it had me, I mean, this movie didn't have, I haven't laughed this hard from a dark comedy, whatever you want to call it, since like the big Lebowski, like wow. it had that level, that, that level of hilarity for me at least. Um, yeah, I, it was just so brilliantly written. It was even more brilliantly, uh, executed just just phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Uh, the, the, uh, the communist, um, the communist versus, uh, the, the capitalist, uh, oh, capitalist the, yeah, game yeah. had me rolling. I mean, it yeah. was just spectacular. It's great. It was good. Yeah. Eric, I really, really recommend you seeing that. I thought it dragged um, a little bit in the third act, but yeah, it's good. No, no, I, I could have watched there. another 20 minutes of that. Easy. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Knock at the Cabin. Saw that in the theater. Oh, ago. yeah. I How was it? it? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed okay. It. Uh, I wouldn't say it's his best film, but it's definitely a step up from, you know, his previous works. I like old. Yeah. 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 I liked old too. I liked old. Uh. <laughs> I know a lot of old got shit on, but I actually really enjoyed it. You know, it had me engaged. It wasn't the yeah. perfect he's, film, he's, but it he seems like engaged. he's just keeping his head above water these days. Like not pissing you off. Just like, Hey, <laughs> it's fine. right? It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like I hated the happening just like everybody else. Yeah. Hey. Um, yeah. It was a really dumb movie, but no, I liked not <laughs> Kevin. It was, it was the Kevin. Yeah. That's awesome. Dave Bautista. Right, Bautista. Dave Bautista. Yeah, yeah. Dave Bautista's everywhere. He's like, I'm a serious actor. Fuck Drax. <laughs> I'm serious now. I'm really good, aren't I? 
Uh, I recently saw a movie called Blood. Brand new horror movie. It's a vampire what? movie. I'm not usually into vampires, but I, I usually hate vampire movies. And again, I hated this movie. Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> it was awful. It the, the trailer had me sold. I, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, but it was it wasn't just a bad movie. It Shit. was like poorly acted, poorly written. I was really disappointed in it. And I had, I had high hopes after seeing the trailer. I was like, all right, this looks pretty good. So I actually spent $6. <laughs> oh, fuck. Six bucks? <laughs> yeah, $6. six bucks to rent this movie. And I was like, man, Jesus. yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, men. I saw men. I, yeah, I finally saw men. I had, I, I didn't see it oh. all through 2022. And well, we were talking about it. this at the feast. I thought you had seen it before, so I was like spoiling everything. I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking so good. I didn't no, know you hadn't no. seen it yet. No, I have not had not seen men. And oh, I absolutely man. loved it. Alex Garland. I, I know I know Eric, you you you're hit and miss with Alex Garland. But I hated I, Annihilation. Yeah, Annihilation. Oh. I would say Annihilation is his, his weakest. I love the ending to Annihilation. I yeah. I honestly I, I felt Terrible. the same way about Annihilation that you did up until the end. And I was like, okay, this is kind of a big payoff because I really don't like the film up until now. Mm. And then I'm like, <laughs> it had, again, I'm not comparing it to 2001. It's not a mm -hmm. it, it had that level of like, you know, transcending that I, that I always enjoy. From movies. So yeah, I, I enjoyed the, the ending of that film very much. Mm. Um, me too. So yeah, people people hate men, dude. People hate men. I don't understand why. Like, what is it? The woke thing? You know, like uh, uh, I, we try I, not I to say it. that word on the Cinema Nine podcast. <laughs> I loved the film, the, despite the whole message that people might have the problem. My people might have problem with. I loved it. I thought it was spectacular. It, it yeah, it, I got to see ripping. it. It's a slow burn. But so in good. the best sort of way, it builds tension. And, so then, and then the ending is just like, holy fuck, man. Like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, it's super. I, I almost want to say Lovecraftian in a way where it goes mm -hmm. beyond what I was expecting by far, in fact. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed okay. that film. Uh, I love Garland. So I'll check it out. Yeah, 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 dude, check it out, man. Yeah, check Gar it out. Garland is, in my opinion, one of the best filmmakers working today. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. It's hard to argue. Ex Machina changed my life. I was like, whoa, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah loved it. <laughs> yeah. That was a fantastic film. Dude, and, and, again, and again, I did I did really enjoy uh, um, Annihilation as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, it is his weakest in my Terrible. Opinion. Yeah. Uh, I loved Annihilation, so I don't get it. But that's fine. You can, <laughs> we can disagree. I loved it. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. That's all I got, guys. Cool. Hey, that's not all you got. That's a fantastic list. He's Paul Freeling. I'm Mike Govier. It's Travis Roy and Eric Branch of the Cinema Night Podcast. Hello. Hi, Travis. How are you? Uh, mm. I did want to mention we do have an email. You can email the show cinemanightpod at gmail.com oh, if you prefer. Do we have two? I know we had one for sure from Stephen that was mentioned uh, by. Uh... Go ahead. And Christian. Oh, Chris! Chris! Uh, so, Eric, I would like you to read Steve's email, if you don't mind, because Steve texted me the other day saying, are you guys going to be on live? Because I'm going into work early so I can catch the show, because he said he was going to talk about my email. And I was like, oh, shit, I feel terrible that we're not on live. I was so excited. Yeah, I was so excited about this email because I've loved this the topic that he brings up here uh, in this email. So, yeah, so, so if you all seen it, uh, 
the back rooms. Okay, 16-year-old Kane Pixels Parsons, he used this uh, software called Blender, okay, to extrude, in his words, double O Durham urban legends through a keep creepypasta maker and created found footage Mobius strips of Pippadale sprinkled with sprinkle. You know, fucking Steve Gow. This is like a yeah, <laughs> obfuscation through clarity. Stick shed syndrome after effects too. He wants to know if we saw this YouTube short called Backrooms, which yeah. recently got greenlit for a feature film by none other than A24 Films. Like what? One of the most prestigious yeah. indie horror slash indie drama studios out there. And we're talking about a 17-year-old filmmaker no, yeah. who makes this short film called the back rooms and I, I saw this like a couple years ago it's got like 130 million views people love it it's got like siren head in it and it's like a big hit and he wants to know how we feel about it i mean uh this email is very long but <laughs> uh, okay. we got to i'm excited yeah <laughs> i'm excited uh so i mean i don't know um re- uh, like real quick i'm i'm I cannot wait. Like, am I a little worried about a 17-year-old kid getting behind the camera? I don't know. I mean, Citizen Kane was made by a 25-year-old kid, okay? So, I mean, A24, I mean, like, I'm a little worried about, like, if they're going to turn the back rooms into, like, a, like a trauma about, like, somebody losing their kid and <laughs> it's going to be all grief horror. Like, <laughs> like, is Siren Head's kid dead? Did Siren Head lose a baby? Is this a miscarriage trauma? Yeah. But, like, uh, you know, I... I Anything they make, I, I trust. And I think we might have some talent here, and I'm excited. In the email, he says, is this uh, going to be something big that you guys are excited about, or is it the next Richard Kelly, which is a reference to Donnie Darko director, Richard <laughs> Kelly. So. He's canceled. And, and Southland Tales, don't forget. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I'd never heard of this until that story broke recently, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take a look at what the fuck Backrooms is, because I don't, I don't go to YouTube. It's based on an internet l- mythology, though, right? Creepy pasta. I mean, creepy pasta yeah. is a creepy whole pasta. thing on Reddit. Right. Okay, yeah, um, this is all pretty new to me. I did see the film. I thought it was really well done for yeah. a seventeen-year-old mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't think that uh, Siren Head is uh, very convincing, but I mean, I'll I'll be you know, it's I, it's a sixteen-year-old, you know, or a seventeen-year-old now. Uh, but I will absolutely see this. Am I going to rush to theaters? I don't know. I'll wait for the word of mouth on it. But I I don't think that A twenty-four is in the habit, especially when it comes to horror. Uh, of making bad pictures and making bad choices about their filmmakers. Uh, I mean, they have a rock solid reputation, perhaps a better reputation right now than any studio. In, in my, I mean, mm-hmm. I think Neon's mm-hmm. really great too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Neon. Yeah. So Damn. I think that uh, I think it's gonna be good. I'll watch it. I'll watch that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't know anything it's, about it. I'm totally clueless. So I'm gonna have to dive in and learn a thing or two here, Stephen. That's it. Well, it's, it's so cool that in 2023 with the way movies are, like, unless you're in a, a known IP, we're not even going to green light it. We're not even going to look at it. That a big studio like this would literally hire a 17-year-old kid to go ahead and adapt his own short film. That's so inspiring for uh, young filmmakers yeah. that that can put something out there, get noticed, and then be, in it, be able to control and have creative control over their own product. That's fucking inspiring. As hell. Uh, he's yeah. the Bo Burnham or the uh, Justin Bieber of uh, A24. Yeah. Get them oh, while they're young. That's what they self- do to Judy no. Garland. Lock them down self- early. Get them on pills. I mean, I mean self-made. Those, those guys were famous on YouTube <laughs> before. <Okay. laughs> but it's true. It did happen. 
Yeah. Anyways, I'll have to, I don't know. Story. Yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, Christian's email, you're right, Travis, was about how he's so excited that we are finally doing Fight Club after many moons of false starts and rescheduling. Uh, Paul was going to come out a couple months ago. Shit happens. It's okay. But Christian said, cheers to another time-honored film in the books two weeks in a row. Who could forget these legendary works of art? Dream a Little Dream and Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, back-to-back. I think he's being sarcastic, folks. I sense sarcastic. So. <laughs> How lucky are we? Yeah, that gives it away right there. The listeners, into what heaven have we been admitted? <laughs> Very funny, Christian. Uh, even though I was really looking forward to Fight Club two months ago, in lieu of these other titles, with such pivotal performances from What's-Her-Name and that one other guy, I'm happy to have lived here on Earth <laughs> In our time and place to share this moment with you all. Dream a little dream indeed. Signed, Mo Lester Burnham. There you go. Our first hate mail. <laughs> Christian is perfect for that. I mean, keep it coming, Christian. Come on. Be our foil. We need more of that for sure. And you could be a foil at cinemanipod at gmail.com. Or you could just send us, hey, you know what? I like the show, period. That's all you got to say. Or say nothing. I don't care. But that's how you contact us. Nothing would be nothing. better. And yes, uh, you, met, you referenced it earlier, Travis, uh, the... Me, myself, and Irene episode did not come to pass, although I did. you guys did watch the film, so that is on record as being true. But uh, maybe one day, who knows? Maybe we'll revisit it, but we're not going to... Yeah, well, we life happens, you know? And we oh wanted... God. Fight Club is your baby, and to get you on the show, Paul, you know, that doesn't happen every day. You're a busy guy. So I was like, just forget it. Let's just lock in. Power went out anyway. It's just been hell on earth. My brother's in a nightmare. It's been a lot of shit going on. So me, myself, and Irene, maybe I'll do like a bonus video about it or something. I don't know. You guys loved it though, right? Well, save that in case we ever get to it. Ah! <laughs> All right. Let's get to the main event. Fight Club 1999 film directed by David Fincher, starring Edward Norton. Lena Bonham Carter, of course, Brad Pitt's abs, which are a big deal. This movie fostered a whole generation of assholes. It's a movie that has a lot of clout. And the reason Paul selected it is going to be revealed to us soon enough. But, Paul, do you remember your very first viewing of Fight Club? Can you take yourself back in time? You must have seen it in the theater. I did, yeah. I saw it in the theater with Josh Porta. Oh, hi, Josh. Uh, the worst person, to, <laughs> the worst person to see that movie with. No oh. um, yeah. I remember he used to lean in his seat, and it would drive me fucking crazy if I was sitting next to him. He'd lean like this and be right in my fucking eye line every time. <laughs> oh, he would. Josh was an asshole to see a movie with. He would gleek on people in front oh. of us. Yes, yeah. you're right. He would gleek on people. Gleek that was on people. Thing. I'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, dude, I'm just gleeking on people. I'm like, why the fuck? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Uh, I have it. He's surely grown oh. out of it by now. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope no one said gleek in 25 years. <laughs> hey, John. We love you, wow. but gleeking? Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen you in 20 years, but I'm judging you right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man okay uh, so walk, walking out of the theater with fike for flight uh with fight club for the first time was a a bittersweet moment because of josh and john john was there too oh, so hey, john, john and josh Porta. yeah so um, was i as oh. yeah, you were there you were there in fact eric you were on a date oh i got my little it was a rough night yeah you were on a date <laughs> Yeah, you were on a date. You went on a date with four of your friends? Hi. Oh, hey. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Separately? No, he, in the... 
Yeah, they they drove separate. I drove I drove with Josh and uh, and John, I believe, and then uh, and then yeah. So uh, it was it was an uncomfortable experience uh, to say the least. But um, my real my real sort of uh, <laughs> my real sort of like the, the moment that I really took to Fight Club in was definitely my uh, after after a DVD viewing. So. Mm, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, uh, you're not alone in that. Uh, Travis, did you see this in the theater? I sure did. I saw this with friend of, friends of the show, uh, Chad Gibbons, and I believe Steve Laskowski was with us as well. I think it was just the three of us, maybe Jimmy. Um, and uh, I distinctly remember walking out of the theater with Chad and like almost kicking some stranger's ass. I'd never been in a fight in my life. I still have not been in a fight. But like me and Chad, like like we're both eyeballing this dude, ready to fucking rocket and uh, oh for nothing for walking by us. I guess uh, we were like the we were nineteen and we were just like at the right age to oh. not get any of the satire to to just awesome. think. This is so cool. I want to be just like Tyler Durden, just completely missing the fucking point. <laughs> and um, Chad even went to went so far as to start a little fight club. I was like, I like my teeth. I'm not going to actually join uh, that with you. I, I backed out. Yep. He always loved bloody arms. I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, wow. Uh, Amanda says, Amanda, who's been on our show, by the way, we, we did The Running Man. Oh, loving this high school gossip. That's right. Yeah, we're taking it back. Yep. Yeah, wow, that's almost got the fight. Out. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Oh, uh, Giles here too. Here he is. Steve's here. The guy who wrote the. There we go. Watch out for Chibbins. Oh yeah, the Irish yeah, knuckle, bloody arms, man. Used to do that too much. Yeah. Eric Branchup. So you saw this movie with Paul at the theater with your date? Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I've been waiting forever. I mean, coming out of American History X, I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Yeah. Norton, Pitt, Fincher, I'm yeah. there. Mm. The marketing fucked me. I was not ready for it. I remember we went to the Star Southfield. Okay. I remember this was the only theater where you could like, this is like a big deal theater with stadium seating. We go there and I walk past the, I walk past the poster. I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's get in these seats. And the, 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 the poster has like soap on it with words fight club. Yeah. on it. I'm like, whoa, this isn't serious enough mm -hmm. for me. Like I want like something like dark and depressing. What is this? <laughs> so I wasn't prepared for what I saw. It's almost like a comedy or some weird shit. Uh, needless to say, the romantic interest quickly, quickly fizzled out immediately when I decided to go to a haunted house, the Donovan house, right after this greeting. Uh, Paul, remember? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to ditch you and then go with my friends to this perceived haunted house in uh, <laughs> fucking where the hell ever? Uh, Dexter or something? Yeah, I went to the Donovan house and uh, I blew my chances with a beautiful woman. Well, it all worked out for the best, I feel like. You're a happily married man now. It's wonderful. Hey, look who's here. Oh, wait, we already said that. He wants to say hi to Paul. Hey, Paul, says Steve. He says, hey. Hey, Guile, what's up, man? Been a long time. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this movie on DVD. I did not see it in the theater. I remember the hubbub and the hubbubaloo and the dip da da and you know, ta ta You know, I just, uh, I remember sitting there watching it and remembering how, um, confused i was because i was 20 years old it was 2000 i believe i saw it and i think i already saw the poster on like brandon's wall or before i ever saw the movie i heard a lot of talk about it but when brandon got it on dvd so the first time i viewed it and i remember being like oh this is interesting 
and I took the wrong message out of it, like a lot of people did, especially if they were younger, like you fellas were, when we were in the world in 1999 and 2000. Uh, we always like to guess <laughs> the IMDb rating on this show. It's always fun. What is Fight Club's IMDb rating? This thing is a monolith. It's a huge film. It's got to be pretty up there, doesn't it? I would think. Yeah. Um, are, are, so are these ratings based on today or when the film came out? Today. Right now, okay. in, as of this moment of recording, we look at the rating on imdb.com. I have to think, the question is, is it at eight or not? That's my only question. Do I go to eight or not? I, I'm not going to go that high. I'm going to say seven, seven. Okay. I was going to say 7.5, but yeah, okay. 7.5? 7. 7. Eric? Yeah. He says 7.6. I'm going to say, <laughs> Travis, I'm really right there with you. I'll, I'll go seven, nine, just because you said seven, seven. Ha! 8.8 god damn 8.8 holy this, shit this is easily our highest rate I mean, this is that's a higher rating than i think even back to the future was yes i think wow. this is the highest rated film we've ever done holy cow 8.8 holy shit that isn't yeah i might as well travis how many votes oh uh a shitload of votes at Two million. What? Higher than Back to the Future. That two is million? Two point two million. Wow. That's by wow. far the most uh ratings I've seen on a movie we've done, and it's the highest rating. Yeah. Oh my God. This Eric's is... back. Tell him tell him what he just missed. <laughs> Eric, I mean, did you hear this? It's gotta be it's gotta be an eight it's gotta be an eight point five. It's an eight point eight. Yeah. There's no oh my god. And it has two, two half... million reviews. Yeah. So that's Wow. Okay. Well, I'm blown away. That's we unusual. Trash it. For those who don't or who don't always keep up, I mean, if we get like 300,000 ratings on an IMDb review, that's a lot. That's a lot. So, two million is huge. That's people yeah. are into this film for sure. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, where it is, uh, Paul, what do you think of Rotten Tomatoes? As somebody who's made films, do you think Rotten Tomatoes is a good or bad thing in this world? You know, I don't really pay hmm. attention to the uh, the critics side of Rotten Tomatoes. I usually pay attention to the audience. Uh, that's how so you're glad it yeah, exists. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've used it. I do use it occasionally, not not all the time. But I usually, do, again, I don't really pay attention to the critics. I pay attention to the audience. <laughs> yeah. We play for the fans, not the critics. <laughs> <laughs> Fight Club gets a 79% from the critics, but of course a 96 from the fans. Bigger gap than I thought, too. I thought the critics would be like, oh, the satire is incredible, blah, blah, blah. But what the I, I will I don't say know sometimes I'm wrong, though. Sometimes the audience is wrong on things and the critics are right. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't believe it. Uh, as far as critical reviews, we like to always read some of our favorites. Maybe we'll get a Bill Goody Coons reference. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's Roger Moore. He's become a regular. Not that Roger Moore, but the roger moore from, orlando sentinel from oh uh, he's at movie nation now because this is from 2021 he moved on so roger moore says cult films are seldom great films they just connect with a corner of the audience more intensely than was intended elevating their status that's fight club and appealing to the wrong sort of cult just makes that clearer <laughs> anybody understand that yeah, he's 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 saying that the people that that a lot of the people that appreciate this movie don't get it. Oh, okay. See, that's what also, I asked. cult films aren't immediately cult films. That's a, a title that's derived over yeah. time. I'm not absolutely. Of course, this movie's yeah, because also you, about I, this movie's about a cult though. So maybe he just meant a cult <laughs> film. 
That's true. Oh. That is true. Uh, I like Anne oh, Hornaday for the Baltimore Sun. Yeah. Okay. A movie that movie that wants to keep its audience unsettled from beginning to end. Wow. What a thanks, Anne. That was like saying nothing. I'm very disappointed. You <laughs> Anne, do better. Uh, let's see. Goody Coons. No Goody Coons. What if we get Destin Thompson? Here we go. Roger Ebert was still around yes. when Fight Club came out, folks. Yes. If it had all continued in the vein explored in the first act, it might have become a great film. But the second act is pandering, and the third is trickery. Wow. Hmm. Pandering and trickery. These are not complimentary words. Yeah, that's harsh. That's that's a bit harsh. Yeah, here we go. Destin Thompson. Hey. Oh, thank you, Destin, for this. Back love you, in... Destin. When this movie came out, he reviewed this film and he said the following. If you want a movie that makes sense and doesn't make you chuckle at its sophomoric satire, laugh this one right off your list. <laughs> one of his longer reviews. Yeah. Uh, wow. So he doesn't like it? Yeah. No, he doesn't. It's a big old splat. So. Huh. Anyways. Yeah, uh, I mean, overwhelming positive reviews, couple splats, but uh, the critics like it a little less than the audience does. Um, you know, I think about this film, guys, and it's really hard to ignore the cultural impact of it. Like I said, with the poster was everywhere with the you know Brad Pitt and the bar of soap. This is Fight Club. Uh, every dorm room for that period of time and sure, or from this, like from this movie, oh, like yeah. people just, like talk about like unique snowflakes and that kind of stuff. There's like. There's like stuff that's just like entered the lexicon, like entered the zeitgeist still from this movie. Right, right. I had a poster on my wall for many years. It was, it was Tyler with the abs right after the big fight. But the text was all negative reviews of the film. <laughs> I fucking love that poster. It's one of my favorites. Hmm. So it's, it was everywhere, and then it also created this. Uh, I don't know. It was like, it was funny, but it also came from a book too. So it's a source novel that created this film. It, I, Paul, am I remembering this properly? Did you enjoy the book as well? Or am I making that up? Well, I, I read the book, but I didn't read it until after I saw the film. Okay. And yeah. I, I actually didn't, it was weird because I, I, it's usually the opposite. Um, I, there's only a few books that I've read after the, I've seen the movie. I didn't really like the book. Uh, in fact, I think I liked it more because I had seen the film so I could picture what the fuck was going on. But, um, I, I don't know if I would have liked the book had I not seen the film. Um, in fact, I've read other Palinuk books and I'm like, eh, he's not a, <laughs> he's not an incredible writer. He's not. No, no lullaby. Yeah, lullaby is fantastic. I I'll, I have to stand like with Chuck Palahniuk when I say that the um, the movie's better than the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. he, did, he did openly say that too, yeah. and I agree. Shout out to Jim Olds, the screenwriter. I think he did. This is a, a yeah. really really solid, uh, maybe one of the best adaptations of a book I think I've seen. I mean, it's it yes. significantly improves the material. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. And of course, it's directed by David Fincher. Now, David Fincher at this point, he really had he had open season, right? He had Hollywood by the balls. He could do as he pleased. Yeah. And then I mean, this, he comes Go ahead. I was just going to say the film, I mean, it revolutionized cinematography, it revolutionized the way you could tell stories. It was 
nobody had seen a movie like Fight Club before, you know, and that's why it just came out. The first time I saw it, I didn't even get it. I was, I was just so blown we away. Yeah, I mean, I was just so blown away by what I was watching <laughs> that you almost miss everything that's being thrown at you. You know, it's kind of like the first time I saw Akira, you know, I didn't, it was just so beautiful. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I had yeah. to watch it again just to kind of. What do you mean when you say that? Can you give me an example of that? Like in the movie itself? Uh, well, I, I guess I'm saying the movie was so beautifully done that it, it was hard to kind of soak in everything that was being thrown at you. From a tactical uh, perspective? Yeah, yeah. And in a story, you know, like I, I didn't fully understand the ending because I didn't grasp everything that was, you know, being, you know, shown because I was so, mm -hmm. again, like it was just so beautiful to look at you kind mm. of get sidetracked from, you know, in it, the message. So it's a huge credit to Ools too, because he takes a, a book that is quite dense, quite innovational and unique and oblique. And he decides to show us things at these weird mm -hmm. times. Like I wasn't used to being jostled around so much in my narrative, like the narrator in the film Edward Norton, he decides to show us stuff at these weird points when we're used to getting all this exposition in the beginning so we know what we're dealing with and then we can coast along. He should, picks and chooses what he decides to tell us about himself, his environment, and everything. We weren't used I, to yeah, that. To me, um, I, I see elements of Tarantino here um, with Reservoir Dogs <clears throat> excuse me, and Pulp Fiction and the way that that kind of revitalized the chronology of film and the way it could, the way that the that stories could be presented to us completely out of order, not in flashbacks, yeah. but in just like, yeah. Hey, this is how I'm doing it. And, uh, yeah. and that's kind and of I'm what's happening here. I think. Yeah, he mm -hmm. did seven. He does the game and then he does this David Fincher. I mean, three movies in a row. We did the game on this show a long time ago. Did, did not hold up for us. Mm. Spoiler alert, but, but yes, I mean, it's, it's hard for a director to, there's so few people who are in that pantheon that can meet the hype and the status of their previous project or at least meet that one or top it. And he, to me, he topped the game with Fight Club. And clearly I loved Seven too, so I thought they were in a similar category. But you're right. There's so much to unpack and everything that's going on is is overwhelming at times that if you watch it for the first time, there's no way you got it. And that's why I wonder though, even though there are more things to absorb, does it have rewatchability? Is it better to see it as it was? Is the rewatch just as good as the first viewing? Because not a lot of movies can do that. And some are much better. The more you watch it, you're like, oh, this is comfort. And I just love watching it over and over again. I was thinking about that scene in the movie where um, the narrator and Marla are in the kitchen. And down in the basement, there's Tyler like whispering up to him. And how clearly telegraphed mm -hmm. that seems now or like in the hospital room sometimes tyler <laughs> speaks for me um so i yeah. remember like the first time i watched this movie being surprised by the twist but as far as rewatchability goes at this point i mean this is a almost sneakers level for me i've seen this so <laughs> many times i've lost all perspective yep. and it's been a long time since i've watched it yep. i was glad to revisit it but it, yep. i mean i've there was a minute where i watched this one like once a week more yeah. really <laughs> Especially when that intense DVD came out that had more yeah. special features and you could shake a stick at it. Brown just, we, there was nothing yeah. like that. So I exhausted this one. So it definitely had rewatchability for me. And uh, I'll, you know, d dive more into my thoughts on this watch. But I mean, I, I 
certainly felt like there is, despite knowing every direction the movie was going to go in, it still gave me things to be interested in. And, and talking about like first viewings, Mike, like expectation is, is such a huge term here when it comes to this movie. Because the last fucking thing I was expecting from a David Fincher movie was a black comedy. And it took me years to kind of just settle down with the fact that this is nothing but a black comedy. And I did not expect that from Fincher in 1999 at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I didn't see it that way. I I knew it was funny. There was parts that I took out of it as comedy when I first saw it. But I was also younger and things were just naturally. Yeah. Just like we would just laugh. First off, it was a movie that I never watched alone it was always a movie i watched with friends it seemed like so it had this camaraderie around it we'd be like oh we're like holy shit look at that you know so that you don't know where i've been lou oh yeah steve there it is man you don't know where i've been lou that's a it's also yeah super quotable which i'm sure we'll hear at the end of the show as we always do there's a lot of a lot of quotable moments uh also edward norton as eric said earlier he comes off american history x and then he does this he, it's a total opposite. It's like a loser dweeb guy, although he's not really, but he's appearing that way after playing this super psycho racist uh, Nazi, really, is what he ends up being in American History X. Yeah. I feel the, the movie could possibly... I'm surprised that it has such a high rating, too, because in today's climate, it could be easily misunderstood. I mean, it, it's been misunderstood all throughout its... Sure. You know, ever since it's, uh, you know, but it's, it, especially in today's climate, I, I'm just, I'm surprised people are really kind of latching onto it. You know, I mean, it, it's, it does come off at moments when I, cause I just recently watched it again and, and I hadn't seen it in years. I don't know, maybe three months ago. And I'm like, okay, there's moments of like a little bit of mass, you know, maybe, misappropriates masculinity or at least could mislead in, in that direction well paul this uh, goes you know, to the more... whole point of the culture it created it it not only was like a cultural touchstone it created new subcultures in our society right right but it but i i also feel like in a lot of ways a lot of people especially our generation back in the day liked it for maybe the wrong reasons and it it just like, like you said at the beginning, it created a generation of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I think there, so, are, yeah. there, 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 there was mm-hmm. Mike. Yeah, you've nailed yeah. it. Um, and again, like I, I think, I think in a lot of ways that that's why I said it's it's easily misunderstood. So if you if you if you weed out all that bullshit, it is a brilliant film. Um, but you know, in today's <laughs> sensitivity uh, with people, I, I am surprised that it, it's it's still you know as well loved as it as it was back then. I think that despite how some people have clearly, including myself, misunderstood it at first, something that's really obvious about the movie that's that's always been apparent, and I think has, has been one of the drivers of why people latched onto it is its anti-consumerist message. It is very much um, about like we are in this place in our world, in our society where we are desperately unhappy and trying only to fill the void with stuff because that's how we've been trained and (laughs) that's just not fulfilling us now. So I think that is more than anything, I think, is what has always resonated with people. 
And, I, and that that's ultimately what resonated with me, you know, especially after after the DVD viewing was I really understood that element of it. Um, you know, even beyond the masculinity stuff, like I was like, all right, I get this. I get the philosophy behind this. And, and it, yeah, like you said, it that's what resonated with me. And I think that's ultimately what resonates with people. But at the same time, like I also feel like it could have slightly done better at it, too. So um. I'm, I'm sitting here watching it last night. And it had been a good 10 years. I like Travis. I would watch this every week. Like I would just put the DVD in and watch it. It was my it was my testimony, man. It was the Bible. I mean, for lack of a better word. Wow. Um, but I'm watching it last night. I'm like, I I I didn't give I don't even when I was 30, like like Jack may be, I never went on a furniture craze. I never really cared about what my apartment was like. You know what? I I you get the sense that like Jack is consumed with consumerism, but like, were, were we, were you guys ever like really concerned with like, I mean, I go antiquing and stuff. Like I'm looking for a good, like a, like a nice antique phone, but like, were you, were we, were we ever the type of culture here in, in this generation that like really cared about like what our house looked like and all these, like how big on consumer possessions were, were we, or is this like a gen X thing? Well, we're, <laughs> I don't think it's a Gen X thing. I think it's a continuing thing because because they really hammered down this like IKEA yeah. striped green stripe 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 pattern. It's, but like I, it's not as even when I got older, it's not as obvious as that, that though. That's what's insidious about consumerism and the culture of it. I think, and that's what the movie's trying to say. Yeah, you don't have to go on like a blatant shopping run or or be obsessed with. Uh, I mean, there's always things, Beanie Babies, uh, and then there's you know funko pop things there's always these crazes of certain things that people obsess over but the day that it, what is really insidious and sick and threatening and really f freaks me out about the consumerism that we have in the united states culture is that it's just the day-to-day -day stuff that you buy 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 that you're not even thinking about it's not so much the obsession over specific items as it is i I buy material items I don't even think about that I think I need that I probably don't. You know, I, I don't need certain food items, of course. I, I don't need certain things on my shelves. I I don't need uh, uh, 10 different pairs of scissors. Like, the stuff just starts to add up. And that's what I think the movie touches on. But you might be right. I, I think it's case by case. Generations, I don't like to speak to because I think talking about generations is just superfluous for me. It's like, how do you... How do you really, you can see trends, Eric, and I understand that, but I just think it's, I think there's a lot of different people in a lot of different age groups that represent a lot of different things. So I just think it gets complicated and ends up being a pointless act. Well, let, well let's talk about this. Well, let's talk about that generation for a moment. It's the late nineties. Okay. Tyler says they have no great war. No, no, uh, great. They're depression. definitely talking about Gen X. You're right. They about got that. it made. They, they fucking got it made. I mean, yeah, there's no war. There's no depression. Your friends aren't getting blown up overseas. They fucking got it made. So I'm watching this in 2023 saying these are just a bunch of fucking spoiled brats whining about nothing. So if you have you so if you're successful, big deal, like good for you. You're living happily. Why is that a hmm. bad thing? Well, I, I think I think to add to sort of what Mike was saying, like. It's not just consumerism, but it's also like identifying yourself with consumerism where you know and, and they reference this in the in the film like buying something that represents who you are as a person that's total bullshit and then they were just sort of pointing that out that's what resonated with me mm. it wasn't necessarily like 
don't buy stuff because otherwise you're bad. It's it this you buying stuff doesn't make you a better person or or this doesn't identify, you know, you're not this you know, these these products that you're buying. And are you still trying to say that my shirt from Hollister that I paid eighty dollars for didn't make me cooler? <laughs> me and Fitch. I actually think yeah. of I think of Train Spotting, which came out three years before this too. It talks about you know what you are, your job, your life, what it is, and there's a lot. There's some connections. There's drug use that goes sideways in Train Spotting, but I I see some similarities, and I think there was a lot of movies during the late '90s into the 2000s that were trying to speak to a sense of hey pointlessness or lack of purpose as a generation but for many individuals they were happy to live their own independent lives free of any type of message and one of the things that bothers me about this movie though is that it it's too many things for me i i have a problem with yes it's got a message about our society and consumerism and uh capitalism and it also has a message about friendship and unity in in a group you know and project mayhem and what that brings about and then it also says something about the duality of human beings and individuality there are so many messages and so many different things going on that i could i'm actually surprised that it's as popular as it is but when i think about it i know why it's as popular and it's what we said before that people latch on to a line or a quote or tyler durden looks so fucking good that it doesn't matter what he says you just want to be him I think there's something like <laughs> pop philosophy about it too, and especially if you're ah. not quite getting it, um, you know, where you can feel deep, even if you don't know exactly what's happening here. Um, if you're, that is, and I mean, I say that like I know exactly what's happening here. There, there are certainly things still on this viewer, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? It, eh? huh? But um, mm-hmm. you mean you shot yourself through the head, and now you're just gonna have a conversation? Yeah, you're gonna hold hands. Relax. <laughs> well, you I, kill yourself. I always actually defended okay. that. All right. I he didn't shoot himself through the head. He shot himself through the cheek. Yeah, no, I, he, he shot. He easily yeah, survived no, that. It comes out right here at the back of his neck, like it comes out like like or like I can't like yeah like. I think right he's here. perfectly willing to die too. Um, in that yeah, moment. he's ready to die, and I and well, I, that, I, I that, respect that. I'm just saying that like if you get shot like that, your body is going to respond. At the very least, you might fall down. I mean, more than just sit in a chair. Um, watching the movie this time, that to me was one of my biggest gripes, which it never really bothered me before. But this time, I'm like, my god! Like, I mean, at least have the man fall down on the goddamn ground and like bleed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my biggest gripe, oh, a lot of people's gripes was like, well, how did that kill Tyler? I'm like, well, I think it was a psychological Symbolic. thing. He, yeah. yeah. He went to that extreme of like, I'll stick a gun in my mouth, pull the trigger for this guy to go away. <laughs> and that was that was basically the answer. But, but then once Tyler does go away, he starts giving orders to the Project Mayhem guys, which he could have done all along. But whenever he's interacting with the Project Mayhem guys, he doesn't know that he's got that authority. So he doesn't give them orders. But like so once Tyler has gone, it seems pretty much like, OK, now I can be in charge and we'll watch my my plan come to fruition here. Right. I mean, that seems like he's like on board with it once Tyler's gone. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Uh, Steve has a comment. Remember that giant melee we got into with those Ypsilanti frat bros after they invited us to a party with them during last call at Pub 13? Oh, of course I remember this, Steve. Absolutely. (laughs) Was that Fight Club cosplay or just hormones? Well, we were were 24 years old at the time. That was in 2004. I remember I came back from Charleston for like a week in June, and we left Pub 13, and that dumb... It was so dumb. It was like Fight Club cosplay. I bet... Most of those guys at that party saw Fight Club, 
like the night before and they got shit faced and they wanted to relive their fantasy. So that's the problem with the movie, I think, too, is that it people glom onto certain things, but you can't control what people are gonna glom onto with the film. So I don't I don't blame anybody for that, but I do realize that there's an aspect of this movie where it's like it takes the worst in humans, and particularly man, men and what they're capable of and how they can act out and it glorifies it in a way or it was allowed to be glorified. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it bothers me. I don't love it. Well, how do we feel about, like, oh boy, our hero, Tyler Durden, showing dicks to children in a movie theater, right? Oh, but, shit. But, but my, my question <laughs> to that is, is, was Tyler Durden really the hero? In a way... No, I you're right. He's mean, not. Yeah, he's he's sort of the villain. And you're right. for years... Th this is why I say it. Like, it's, it's highly... We misunderstood it because for years I was like, Tyler Durden is like the god of, he's, you know, he's the villain, of our right. he's the antagonist. He is the yep. villain, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, that, and that's, that's, the film holds up for me. But it, but when I watched it three months ago, I was like, holy shit, Tyler Durden is a fucking asshole. He's <laughs> an asshole. It's what I call, I mean, I've always called it, regardless of Edward Norton's relation to this film, the, the American History X effect. American History of X is, a, X is a fucking fantastic film. Three quarters of it pretty much, if if not promote, at least glamorize awful ideals and make them entertaining until like the last 10 minutes were like, oh, yeah, but like you shouldn't really believe this. It's kind of what yeah, this movie does. All of Edward Norton's or, or Tyler Durden's like Nietzschean bullshit about suffering leads to enlightenment. And the ways that he does it is very extremely toxic. And it took a long time for me to realize that that is just comedy and we're supposed to be smart enough yeah. to negate yeah. that. And, and not even just comedy, but like it should be more obvious, I think. I mean, like to me as a 19 year old. Um, yeah, uh, it should have been like watching it now. I'm like seeing the way that the the, the crew in the, in the Paper Street house uh, adopts his message of you are, we are the all singing all dancing crap of the world you are worth nothing and then like it cuts <laughs> yeah. to like there's a, some other dude who's now kind of saying that shit and it's like mm -hmm. this is really mm -hmm. obviously not a good thing why was i watching this being like oh they're disrupting yeah. society so it's cool like no they're they're like um they're disruptions of society some of them are just really cruel just breaking yeah. up people's cars and fucking up yeah. their tires and all this shit that's like wait you're, you're supposedly for the working man and this is and, and you're supposedly for like mm -hmm. the little people and you're just gonna fuck with their with their paychecks and above all you want to make me think that you are some so, sort of like and not even tyler durden i'm talking about the, the narrator now we're supposed to like um like think that what you're doing is so great be a whistleblower of the company you work for then don't use that as leverage uh to get a uh, great severance package if you know that your company is causing the deaths of families across the country the world like this isn't a plot point this is like this is what you should this is this is what you should be doing like if you're if you're you know it's so it's kind of like hard to watch a movie this time and be like oh they're they're both kind of pricks really yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, could you beat your own ass like that? Is that really possible? Could you really cause that much damage? You think if you, I don't know, I, I'm still questionable. Either way, there's something called a non-disclosure agreement, and he would be sued for a million. Oh, funny. 1999 had both Lester Burnham and this guy. Narrator. They both got. Jack. Yeah, right. Yeah. They both got severance packages from their companies in 1999. Good job, movies. But, yeah, from from threatening their boss with bullshit. Yeah, also. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know. That's weird. I 
the, the film does uh, sort of, you know, like I said, it misappropriates masculinity a little bit. You know, the Occupy Wall Street stuff happened 10 years later. They did it very peacefully. I, this is where I feel the film goes wrong. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a little on the toxic side. Mm -hmm. I still love the movie. I still love the film. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I still have that punk rock side of me that really digs the film, but <laughs> watch, watching it as a grown man, especially with two kids, I'm like, all right, they kind of treat Marla like a kind of yeah. poorly, you know, yeah. you know, she, she know doesn't, kind do, of? she doesn't do much in the film. She's just sort of a, <laughs> you know, kind of a, yeah. Yeah, she's literally, she's yeah, literally like she calling is. for help because she's like has suicidal ideation, and it's like, hey, right. this is a good opportunity to fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, like I, it, it rubbed me a little bit the, differently this time. Yeah. Um, Which is good. And We're again, up. yeah, totally. And, and that, and that's what that's ultimately my point was like, I, I yeah. feel like I've outgrown Fight Club in a way, even uh -huh. though I still enjoy the film. I have outgrown it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so like we're to believe that men can't be made into strong citizens if they're raised by women. Right. Like, fuck right. that. Like the, one of the one of Tyler's central messages is that we're a generation raised by women. So we need to have solidarity with our brethren, with boys, with men, with this machismo thing. And that's so outdated, yeah. man. Also, the use of a fat suit in this movie, was it worse or better than The Whale with dearly departed last year, Meatloaf, who died yeah, recently? Hey, I don't fuck with Rob Bottin, man. He, he did. did the man Those are incredible. Right. I always thought it was the real Meatloaf until I learned it was a yeah. fat suit <laughs> later on. And Sign Significantly less funny to me now. Like I'm watching the movie now, and I'm like, this is I'm like, this is this is some poor fucker who had his balls cut off. Uh, he's dealing with cancer. I'm like I I like it's not like the whole bitch tits and all that stuff. I'm like I'm not laughing. There is stuff that I laughed at in the movie, but there's stuff like that that's supposed to be funny. Now I'm like you know again like maybe I'm just lost my sense of humor. Frat boy humor. That's it. That's it. Everything is supposed to be either funny that's or funny. cool. I'm sorry if I cut you off. But indefinitely, years after this, we only thought yeah. it was funny and cool. And thank God here in twenty in, in 2023, we have movies like Joker that have similar aspects to this film. But we don't walk out of the theater quoting Arthur Fleck. We have conversations about the mentally ill and what we can do about people like this in the incel culture, whatever the fuck you want to label it as. It's a very different conversation for the yeah, better. Yeah, it's almost like this movie was, if Reddit was a movie, Fight Club is this. That's To me, it's like Reddit come to life. There's so much. There's like a billion subreddits within Fight Club. That's how I see it. Because you just nailed some points that are awful and shitty humor, but consequential information and aspects of thought are happening because of the movie. And that's a good thing. It's also, I mean, the performances all around are great. We talk about the acting here. I mean, Edward Norton does great work and yeah. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt kind of yeah. took himself, I think in a new direction. Yeah. He, he Fantastic. made himself into something more with this film, frankly, with a part that's not overly complicated, but he has such a energy and a vibe that he gives off without saying words, which is a hard thing to do, I think. And I got to give mm -hmm. him all the credit, even if I don't give a shit about his character and I have other things to say about this movie at the end, but well done. 
Well done uh, acting all around. Yeah, acting's phenomenal. It feels like we're shitting on it, so we, we better say some positive I mean, the film is, it. on a technical level, it's just outstanding. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Dude, Jeff Cronenwith is one of my favorite yeah. cinematographers, and a movie... This oh my god it, the blacks are so yeah. black like the movie looks so grimy and and dark like nowadays if they would have shot this on fucking digital every all the blacks yeah. would look blue it looked like a fucking stupid fake moonlight bullshit I love the it, it, the cinematography of this it's just so rich yeah, so that, grimy like I said earlier like and this is why I I mean there's a lot of reasons why I didn't fully understand the film the first time I saw it but I was so enthralled by the way it looked I was like how did they do this? This is going to change everything. And it did, it did, you know, mm -hmm. Fincher changed the, the way film is presented on, on the screen. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's a beautiful looking film. Um, and and everybody tried to copy it after, after that. So, yeah, all that CGI stuff, which forgive me if you've already addressed this, but like behind the, 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 uh, fridge and uh, all that stuff, it doesn't hold up super great as far as the CGI goes. But I, when I first saw it, I couldn't tell, uh, at first. Yeah. And, and some of it still Cartoon looks cups. pretty good, um, yeah. good enough. And it's certainly um, creative, although something that for me does not hold up is this score. Uh, the Dust Brothers, uh, they've been <laughs> they, they came and went. I mean, this score just feels so fucking dated. Oh, <laughs> it does. I can't I can't help but agree with that. That was one thing that's and I don't know if it's because I've seen the film so many times and everybody played that on repeat. Back in, yeah, it was annoying. Yeah, it was. It got. It got. It kind of got to me this this time around. Yeah, the soundtrack's good. I mean, when they're walking into the bar to to going out west by Tom Waits, literally one of the best moments, like uses of a song ever. Are you kidding me? I mean, first thing you ever think of with this movie is "Where Is My Mind." It made that song a phenomenon in my mind. That was you know, always funny. associated. I, I have a yeah, friend who's in, great. Yeah, I have a friend who's in her fifties, and she was talking about, and she grew up listening to the Pixies, and she was talking about how their big hit single "Here Comes Their Here Comes Your Man" and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, back in the day, that's not the one that they're known for anymore. She's like, what, really? I'm like, yeah, that, that, it's like, where was my mind? That's the <laughs> absolutely one. right. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got say, I did. I did get. I teared up <laughs> at the end. You know, when the "Where's My Mind" came, I just. Everything started flooding back to me. Like oh. Paul used to play this on the guitar. Everything just started coming back, and I just started. That's, it's a it's a perfect track for that misty. ending. I'm not yeah. it, is. it is perfect. Yeah, I, yeah I, the, the musical selection, the score, the soundtrack is great. The score sucks. What a I mean, like just the complete <laughs> yeah. opposite ends. The Dust yeah. Brothers, man, we're back for more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that song. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of hoping like the whole reveal would be a little more palatable, but I don't know. I spent the movie just kind of wishing there were two separate characters because it would have meant so much to me to see do two distinct personalities in the late 90s, uh, like just having these actual conversations as opposed to this gotcha moment that it. That hey, Jared Leto's in this movie, too, guys. Angel face. Oh yeah, angel face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is probably the first that. thing that he did that, after um, what's the sh the TV show so called so -called life. life. Uh, so this is probably the first thing oh, that yeah. he did after that that I saw at least or that that stuck out to me where me I'm like, too. oh, this guy, this guy is uh, 
He's good. That's Jerry Later. I remember him. I remember that show. Uh, and and he, you know, it's very small role, but very very memorable. Yeah, role. and then Finn. Yeah. And one of my favorites on this viewing, like Mike, I'm so sorry, but like, I kept hoping, like, and I kind of forgot yeah. about the whole beatdown scene just really? for a second because it's been so long. But I'm watching like these initial fights, and I'm like, oh shit, they're not gonna be like growing it up after this your emotions yeah. are going to fucking take over your own life is going to get into things and if that's why people didn't like actually right. do fight clubs in real life because it would go beyond this in personal enlightenment thing and you have your own shit going and that does end up happening in here and i thought i, it was I think that most people perfect. have a hard time fucking people without getting emotionally involved and i think the same is probably true about fighting Yes. I Look, I actually, I typed this in the comments when Steve mentioned this melee earlier that did happen in Ypsilanti 2004. It really did happen. Yeah, it was awful. It was a huge crew. It was like 10 of us, like Chad Williams, my brother. It was a massive crew. Everybody was there. And I wrote this. It was so intense. I cried after. I did. I was a 24-year-old man. Like, the violence of the moment was so intense. Chad got knocked out cold. Like, it was real. I was like, oh, my God, this is too real. I cried. And I didn't even get hit in the face or anything. That's how intense violence is for me. And I think I'm a pretty typical guy. So when you get in high-level situations that involve fist or any type of physical response to you that is threatening, it will always heighten your senses. Cause first off, that's a natural response. And then secondly, whatever emotional shit you got going on is going to pour out of you very, very likely. If it doesn't happen right away, it'll happen shortly after. Uh, Fuck. I'm so sorry, but you nailed it. All of my, my response would be the same way. I would be so like scared of this emotion and this violence that I would probably cry if I saw that. These characters see it as this enlightening moment, and they're all so happy that this happened. Didn't ring true to me. Terribly empty. Um, One thing about our past that has always blown my mind is that whenever you guys got in these big, huge brawls, I was always conveniently not there. I was not there for a single one of them. I can only assume that I must have diffused the situations when I was there. (laughs) And when I wasn't there, you guys. Clearly, you were the crux, man. It's not for about me. No, it, it over and over again. Like I'd, like I'd be gone for the weekend in uh, West Virginia or something. I come back like, oh, we got in a big fight. I'm like, again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's other certain characters in our crew that were more willing to fight. I'm certainly not a fighter. You're right. I was. I wish I was with you away. I didn't want to be involved with that. So. I wish you were too. Yeah. Uh, but does this? Uh, but Paul, does this movie glorify violence? Is it obviously glorifying it? You know. I would say more so yes. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe not. Because it's not like I watched the movie wanted to go out and get in a fight. So maybe not. No. Um, no. But, I, but at the same time, I did fight when I was in college. So who knows? Maybe, you know. Put on Fight Club, uh, get ramped up, go out there and kick some ass. <laughs> I, I would say no. It, it probably doesn't. Yeah, baby. Hey, daddy. Daddy, don't fight. It's bad. Be a good boy. Yeah. Don't feels like a movie made by people that have <laughs> never been in a fight. Like you watch Platoon by Oliver Stone, and you can you can sense the like the perspiration and the fear and everything in the celluloid. This I don't we've know, never man. been in a fight. This is a movie made by nonviolent people. Yeah, but, but, at, but at the same time, yeah, it doesn't come off realistic because, like you were saying, like nobody's scared. Everybody's happy. 
everybody's getting the shit kicked out of themselves and and then they get up and they're they're like hugging like yeah who does that How do- <laughs> yeah it's almost saying like it's a, it's a gateway to something greater than yourself which i don't like that message at all i'm not saying that's obvious to everyone but some people probably did take it from that because the characters do seem I don't know. They seem, even if they're pissed or bitter or depressed throughout the film, all the characters, I'm talking about everybody who's involved in the Fight Club, there does seem to be a, a bit of a, a common bond that they're grateful for, which is a weird message, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to hit rock bottom. They're trying to sacrifice as, like space monkeys. For what? I'm not sure. Um, but like, there is there is this belief that <laughs> suffering is real and everything else is bullshit. Um, and so everything about your life must revolve around suffering. Like for instance, you must wear a robe and slog through a basement full of water and then go upstairs with water dripping all over you and then go lie down in bed soaked, (laughs) just living in damp moistness all the time. That's just suffering. (laughs) Oh my God. That house was the real dump. That's for sure. That house is so gross, (laughs) man. Impressive. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> well, well uh, should we wrap this up? Uh, any other thoughts, any notes that anybody didn't get to here on the Fight Club film? It comes out at a weird time, man. Six months after Columbine, we have this like scene where oh, yeah. shooting up the office and it, it flops. It makes yeah. $37 million on its $63 million budget. It's not a hit. Yeah. It's not a hit at all. People were confused. They walked out of the theater befuddled. And I mean, two years after this, we get 9-11 and this desire for solidarity and non-division comes in and develops the, the landscape. So it just comes in at this weird time. And yet us as 18, 19 year olds, we grab hold of it. I would love to hear what a, like a, a kid yeah. nowadays would think about this. It's just it's it, well, that it, was that period. Yeah, we talked about that. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, yeah, had it had 9-11 happened before the film got released, it would have never gotten released. Um, no. And, and and I'm I'm very like Eric said, I'm very curious what like today's generation thinks of it. Uh, obviously, it has an eight eight point eight, uh, much higher than I expected. Yeah, I was giving mm-hmm. seven point five. I was like, all right, that's probably too high. But um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking like do current audiences how do they feel about him threatening his boss to stalk his co-workers and shoot them one by one like there are things in this movie that really just yeah. don't work anymore <laughs> yeah very much it's and especially mm-hmm. for me the marlis stuff like it's yeah. just like wow this is this is slightly Horrific. misogynistic yeah. yeah, and the, and um, the joke about her having sex and that she hadn't had sex that good since like uh, grade school. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's not school. at all funny. Yeah, that's sad. It's really, really sad. <laughs> I get it's right. black comedy, but you know, I, I don't have a sense of humor about that. I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Paul, <laughs> you know how we close the show, right, Paul? No, no. Well, no, he's I, already announced that he thinks it holds up. So all right, well, no someone else go first and he can follow suit. So usually <laughs> right. we let the guests go first, but since you're such a newbie, uh, I'll go first. Look, I'll show you how it's done. Fight Club is a movie that I, I never got as much as everybody else in terms of its cultural impact and like 
you guys said you watched it a lot here. Both Travis and Eric did. I I never watched it as much as you guys did. I hadn't watched it in a really long time. I found it when I was younger. I always thought it was a laborious effort. It didn't it didn't have a rewatchability for me. I didn't want to like throw it on and be like, oh, this is great. I'm just gonna play video games and watch this. It wasn't of interest to me. And I'm not sure what exactly it was about this film that turned me off because, as we hinted on earlier, the the message about capitalism, I love it. And, like, how we are automatons and we're, we're floating through this life at times. There's a lot of great social and philosophical points to dive in on, which the movie does well. But at the same time, I just don't think it's something that I want to go back and recommend because... I don't think the script's that great. Uh, you know, the whole two-character thing, the duality, oh, he's two people, he's one. It doesn't seem to, for me to hold up as well when you watch it later on. A lot of great acting, a lot of incredible performances, messages that I think could spark a ton of conversation. In fact, I know it has because we literally have talked about it tonight on the show. But it's not something I want to go back and revisit. I, I think it's overrated. I think it was kind of taken and boosted up by people who love violence and want to glorify things about our culture and society in the United States that I'm not into. You know, like like we said, toxic masculinity is one easy example. It's easy to say that buzzword, that buzz term. But it's also, it's just like the kind of frat asshole who would watch this movie when I was 20 who wouldn't get it at all and would take it and make it something else. And in a way, it's almost like the ultimate American movie because people make it what they want it to be in their own lives. So that is a good reflection of the people it's actually projected to. But for me, I just, it's not a movie I really want to watch again. So I'm not going to, I can't approve it. I'm going to say it doesn't hold up for me. Oh man. I was chatting with uh, Aaron Worley last night about the Joke movie. Bud. Gearing up for the show. I was a little worried, anxious about what my thoughts were. So I checked in with him and he made me laugh. He just said, look, dude, I enjoy it because it's, I enjoy watching sexy <laughs> men and violence. And yeah, sometimes that's really fun. And at the end of the day, we do have a movie that's basically uh, Slim Pickens <laughs> riding an atom bomb. It's satire. It's fucking satire, or at least 1999's best attempt at it. Um, uh, but but still, I'm looking at it today, and it's... It, it, its theme is clearly uh, the uh, uh, masculation of the uh, American male in 1999. And today, dude, I mean, it, it, and it aims to revive the most unhealthy aspects of masculinity that just don't hold up today. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, men are evil. But it's just, it's cruel, ugly things that they are glamorizing. And it's hard to look past today, especially as a father and someone who works with with children. I can't look past it, man. We got a uh, um, a world today that is just obsessed with this identity crisis. Okay, and I'm watching a movie where a guy's identity crisis is that he's obsessed with his fucking couch and that like he's, he's stupid shit, juvenile shit, man. The movie is technically so it's unforgettable i mean it's for the ages i mean this is a movie that raised us inspired us led to so many great things in film when i sit back and look at the narrative i just see this um 
movie about a bunch of fucking crybabies. I can't help it. I laugh, but it's pushing this agenda too much, and it's just a bunch of whiny white guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I love it, and I hate to backpedal, but because of what it's done for a film, it's going to hold up. What are we even fucking talking about? That was the most confusing closing we've ever had on the show. We're cutest, man. Wow. You covered all aspects, though. Well done. I know it's, you are. It's very circuitous, <laughs> but like it's like it's like arguing about like taxi driver. Yeah. There's so many fucking problems, but it's a fucking milestone. Paul, you want to go? Or you want me to go? Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna piggyback off that a bit. Um, I mean, for me, it held it held up in a sense of the uh, the consumerism side. You know, I still resonate with that to this day. Um, I I love when films can kind of touch base on that. I do think it's a problem in society. I always have. Um, but again, you know, the, the parts that rubbed me wrong were the, you know, kind of the, the condoning of violence or condoning of, of belittling women and their, their importance in society. Uh, you know, there is a, you know, toxic masculinity to, to the film. Um, and again, like I, and we saw it, even way back in the day of, you know, the, 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 the local frat kid that didn't understand it dressed up as Tyler Durden and goes out and starts a bunch of fights at, at the local bar. Um, I saw it all the time and it drove me nuts. Um, but, uh, luckily we don't see that anymore, but you know, I, I am, I am curious as to, uh, you know, how, how people sort of resonate with the film these days. That that's something that actually interests me is, is, uh, you know, kind of, uh, touching base on today's generation and seeing what they think about it. Um, overall, the film did hold up for me. I still enjoyed the film. I wouldn't say the same way I did years ago, but, uh, um, you know, but it, it did sort of change the industry in a lot of ways, both technically. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's very well done, very well acted. So yeah, I, I still enjoyed the film. I was reading this uh, sociological article recently about why people revisit movies that they've seen a whole bunch of times. And the sociolo sociologists had gone in with the expectation that they do it, that they watch it for comfort and for nostalgia. And of course, that's part of it. But also, it's not so much that it's trying to bring you back to the time that you were. You're kind of making marks in your like on the wall of your own progress because like you have changed. And <laughs> I have changed drastically since I enjoyed this movie and watching it the other night reminded me of all of the ways that things that used to amuse me or think that I thought was cool or indifferent to now I have feelings about that are different. Um, the movie's nihilistic as fuck. Um, very, very nihilistic movie. And it's so weird now to watch this movie and this whole big speech that on one hand, makes sense we we really are of a generation that was lied to that we could be or do anything we want if we try hard enough and got a college education and uh we really are fucked by that and we really are angry by that but then he goes on to talk about how like you know our depression is our lives and um like how like the real problem is that we have not been challenged and that we've had no like life experiences and i'm like dude uh what we've gone through since this movie came out, I what I would do for my problem to be that I like IKEA too much, you know. Um, it's exactly. Thank it's you. It's kind of hard yeah, to. I mean, like I understand the. Um, yep. 
the urban malaise or the suburban malaise shit that's happening here. Um, but it is kind of hard to um, relate to. So, and and then I very much feel like it's such so generational and of its time, as you guys have all said. Like, what do what do the kids think about this? I don't know. I don't know any fucking kids. Certainly not that I can talk about this movie with. So it feels very much, given its importance in American culture and cinema culture, it is a relic. Is it a cultural relic that uh, is of incredible importance? And uh, everyone should watch it. And however you feel about it, 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 it matters the way that, like you said, Taxi Driver matters or the way that The Matrix matters. Um, uh, the certain movies that just kind mm -hmm. of come in and just tweak the whole way that filmmaking's done. And uh, so whether you like it, whether you don't like it, whether you agree with every little bit of it or whether you disagree with a lot of it, I think it's an incredibly important movie. And it still is very interesting to watch. I don't uh, agree with every message. I don't know that I understand every message. But there's a lot of value here in rewatching it. And I was glad to revisit it. It holds up. <laughs> Definitely. That, I mean, that's the thing. Real quick. You've said it all. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I can't trump anything you said because you said it all, Travis. But we're 42, you know. And, but this movie was yeah. made by grown-ups for a lack of a better term it seems like they would know better you know uh, we didn't do um me myself and irene which <gasps> also deals with uh split personalities in a way that is just ridiculous i've been around did before it's nothing like either one of these fucking movies um but yeah as i'm watching that movie i was thinking to myself did 42 year olds laugh then and I guess the same question is about this. Like, did right. did forty two right. year olds? What did they make of this movie? I'd like to. I got to dig up a sixty four year old. He saw this when he was younger, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like, hey, what do you think? Yeah, look no, at the top right. critics. That's, That's why it. they. My all parents hated. hated it. My parents hated that movie. They hated it. Yeah, this is uh, very they, they much for. Yeah, this is a time and place, like very specific. Hey, hey, white guys of a certain country of a certain generation, um, this movie's for right. you. Two million of you are gonna <laughs> love it. <laughs> well you said it there it is that's ah. fight club 1999 film in the can all thanks to paul freeling for selecting it we needed to do it and i'm glad it's over now we don't have to do it again and, and we broke the first two rules <laughs> ah, <we laughs> <did. laughs> Ah, uh, Paul, you're the best, man. Great to have you on the show. But before you leave and we yeah. leave and say goodbye, it's not over yep. yet. We got to pick next week's film. What is going to be next week's film that we select? Well, it's supposedly my turn. Do you are do you want to do me, myself, and Irene? Mike, mm -hmm. it's we didn't get oh, to no. do your pick. No, it's okay. You guys, you go. We'll move on. It's all right. Let's you move sure? forward. Yeah, I, I don't. All right. It comes and well, goes. I don't take it seriously. If, it, if it's okay, let's go. Let's do something right. fresh. Okay. Um, it's funny. I had a few movies that I was banging around in my head, and almost all of them came up during this podcast, like they somehow always magically do. Um, but I'll, I'm going to go with one that we did not talk about at all tonight. Um, a director we've not done. A genre we have not really visited. <gasps> this movie, when I watched it, I watched it, I think I saw it six times in theaters. I remember going with my girlfriend and, and my friend Christian Haraminski at the time and straight up like oh, quizzing each yeah. other afterwards, like, hey, what was the license plate on the ambulance? 
I was so obsessed with this movie that I took a white T-shirt yep. and a black magic marker and made my own T-shirt as a 24-year-old man. Mm-hmm. It's time to go, go to our first reboot, a remake, I should say, 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Oh, nice. There it is. Travis went to see this movie <laughs> every day I was obsessed. when it came out. <laughs> Zack oh, Snyder, James Gunn. Zack Snyder. His oh. best movie, in my opinion. I think I think I agree day. with you. Yeah. yeah. No question yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's a whole other. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> but I'll watch it for next week. So. Wild. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you so I'll much. Oh, we love you. Man. Tell Nick and yeah, John we say hello. Tell tell Dave, David. <laughs> we all, tell all your buddies that you're friends with that we uh, we give them our best. <laughs> I will. I will. We wish All you right. the best. Thanks for joining us, man. It's been great having you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's keep in touch. Uh, text me anytime, and uh, let's do this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Text me. Don't call me. I mean, no, text no phone me. calls. <laughs> yeah, we'll have Paul back on. He'll come back and pick another movie. He was a good guest. Unless you guys disapprove, let us know. Cinemanipod.gmail.com. We'd like to thank our uh, live comment. Yeah, vote him off. Cinemanipod Island. Will he stick around? The tribe has spoken, Paul. You're out. Uh, thanks to Steve All popping right. in and Christian for the email. <laughs> thanks for the emails. We love you guys. That's the movie show for this week from Cinema Nine's World. So Travis, Eric, Paul, and Michael. We'll see you soon. All right. See you guys. That's what you go with, silly coos. <laughs>